two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not limited to talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of they are divided For equal, sequel, hate, and love they fight it I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive A big thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song uh, today it is July 18th, 2021. My name is Zach Weber, and joining me is Russ Ryan. My clunky. Hello, Zach. Thanks for having me. The classics, folks. And Canadian collector, Chris Porteous. Uh, regardless of what anyone says in the Facebook group, I'm a better collector than all of them. Indeed, um, at least Canadian side of the river, and Joe Yazo. Hey, thanks for having me back. Alrighty, folks, we have not been back now for what two and a half months. Ever since the Wild Bunch uh, premiered back in May the fourth, a lot has happened. Oh, good lord, we have all sorts of nonsense. We got Hero, we got Boba Fett Starship, we have Kenobi rumors, we have. Boba Fett. <laughs> so I, I, before we started recording, we've been talking for the last like 30 minutes or so. There was a bunch of stuff that like repeatedly kept being brought up into the conversation, then followed with, no, no, save it for the recording, which is usually my job to say that. So before we delve in, um, I know Chris is very, oh God, how do I say this? Very hot on being cold about the Wild Bunch. Yeah, I mean, you might you might say that. Um I think it's it's um, heavily heavily hit or miss, mostly miss. But I don't know if like if are we going straight there? What what do you want to do, Chris? I am giving you controls of the podcast. You tell me where you want to go. You're, All right, so it's, it's, I wonderful. Quick, like, I want to let the I want to let the like the listeners at home know that there's been no one more insistent on getting another Knights of Vader episode out this year than Chris. Chris yeah, has been true. carrying the torch for Knights of Vader in a way that uh oh god I think can't be said for anyone. Possibly even myself. Well, you know, if carrying the torch, if all that qualifies for carrying the torch is like bumping a Facebook message thread every every couple of weeks, I mean, I'm happy to do it. But, um, but Chris, you've also you want to talk about the Instagram account real quick? Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot that hasn't been mentioned even once since <laughs> since it, it existed. So there is a Knights of Vader Instagram account, which conveniently has the exact same name as the former no longer existent Knights of Vader Instagram account, which is KOV podcast on Instagram. So like there's even posts referencing that account that are now working again because such an account now exists with the original name crazy stuff out there so go ahead and follow kov podcast on instagram if you want some high grade star wars memes and like uh maybe like toys cor- I, cor- yeah that- toys being posted i know my own personal little jabba land has made it on that instagram account so you can exactly the, that's there for you and you know quarterly episode notifications at minimum yeah it's good stuff so uh- <laughs> So if we're going to go into the but if we're going to go into the wild bunch like you know uh it what what episode just came out 12 does that sound right Yes yes okay. Ryloth part 2 
Yeah. So, you know, we've, the last two episodes we've had Hera uh, as a kid, uh, and you know, our typical French Twi'leks, uh, uh, Did they get French or hold on? I, I've noticed cause I just kind of binged the last few to get caught up. Have they always been this French? Yes. Uh, oh, in Clone okay. Wars, they are pretty French. Yeah. I, I don't see Bib Fortuna having that, that French accent and stuff like that. I don't know. Well, you know, if it were anything but French, somebody would have a problem with it. Just saying. We have but to uh, get it's off French. Of law, it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. way over. Yeah, you know, so, but these are, you know, we're seeing Hera's parents, which are characters sort of from uh, Rebels, one of them at least. And, uh, you know, it's sort of interesting that they're trying to use the Bad Batch to sort of blend the continuity between Clone Wars and Rebels, even though it's all super ad hoc. So, like, it's a That's weird the choice. Invisible hat, the invisible hat that works in the scene. Not so invisible, of course, because it's the first name you see when the show ends. But we got a little more hat action, too, crossing over with a little Cad Bane action in these last few episodes. Yeah, Cad, ba- Cad Bane showed up very briefly in, uh, was he in one or two episodes? I don't he know. He was in but two. I two. think he was yeah. in two. Yeah, and, and and it seemed like they were sort of relying on, like, it. Like I saw some interesting comparisons from, like, sort of a storyboard perspective with, like, an unused episode of Clone Wars, where, like, it seemed like, which I just be totally beyond me how you can put a character in a completely new context and sort of design the scene exactly the same as it was in an unused episode in a completely different situation. But people are trying to draw parallels in that regard. Maybe they're just, you know, reading, maybe they're just seeing Jesus and toast. And because like a, a, <laughs> a close up is a close up, you know what I mean? That's on some level, the guy gets in, in uh, old West style standoffs and uh, close up shots are close up shots. So maybe there's not that much to it. The last, but the last couple episodes have sort of felt a lot more like Clone Wars to me. Maybe it's because uh, you have uh, this uh, sort of reg clone who the figure is called Captain Ballast, and Zach, remind me what his actual name is in the show. Hauser. Hauser, yeah. Like like Total Recall. Hauser. Yeah. So Hauser's Hauser's sort of cool. He's like this like holdover clone who's like you you can tell it's like. He's, he's just sort Captain of like Rex, this. right? I mean, he's just, what is he? I, I, you see him, and that's what I think immediately. Yeah, he's like a relic of the Republic, and it's fu- it's fun to see how these last few sort of uh, clones who are familiar with the way the Republic did things are sort of living within the Empire. And, you know, that you can just tell by looking at them that they haven't got much shelf life left. And that's where we sort of end up at this last episode, which is, I guess, 12 out of 16 for season one. And basically he was arrested at the end of episode 12. So like, you know, they, they're, they're moving, they're moving on. They're getting rid of these guys because they, they got ideas and we don't like ideas in the empire. Right. So, so, so here, here's the, the deal for me is like this last episode's a great example they're doing stuff. They're like, it's cool. It feels like Clone Wars, but like my the big problem for me is like there's they're doing unnecessary stuff that portrays the Empire as too stupid in my opinion. Like Zach, you probably know this character's name too. Who's like this stock Imperial officer guy who's hanging out on Ryloth? Oh God, Lamp Rampart or Lamp uh, Rampart. So he just Rampart. goes to whatever planet 
and for whatever reason, the Bad Batch also ends up on the same planet. Okay, it's the same guy from earlier in the season. Right? It's a very <laughs> small universe. Come yeah. on, you know how incestuous this is. Okay, so this guy, like, said, like he has, he has this speech about. Oh man, there's okay. There, there's so much stuff going on here. So I don't know if it was the was it the previous episode where Orin Frita got shot in the head, and then they implied <laughs> in this episode that he was still alive. Yeah, as soon as he gets shot, they go arrest them for attempted <laughs> yeah, assassination. It's like you just killed this guy. They literally showed him take a shot to the head on like on screen. And, oh, and there's episode, a lot of wild death in this. Too. Yeah. I, and I know this is kind of at one point they're using stun grenades or they're set their the Bad Batch has their stuff set to stun and they're shooting all those those scrappers that are trying to take their stuff. They shoot one guy driving a speeder away. The speeder crashes and he falls down this huge thing. It's like, well, at least he was stunned when you murdered him. It's like they're still murdering people. It's, yeah, it's well, so weird. I mean, that's fine because like to the, the stun the stun setting is really bothering me because it's like over stun. Everything how long, gets stun. Stun grenade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's but just I'm trying to stay on one track here just for a sec. So I sound remotely <laughs> yeah. consistent. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like, good luck, Chris. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like ballast, <laughs> not ballast. Uh, ramp, r- rampart. Hauser. How? Ha- no. Hunter. The hero officer. Crosshair. Rampart. Yeah, yeah. Rampart. So like he's just he goes on this speech about like, about like every time there's a protest or something, round up all the civilians. And I'm like, it's it, to me, I just I can't stand how cartoonishly evil they're presenting the empire it's like no wonder these guys lasted like 18 years like you know they have this legend built up around them but in the scheme of the galaxy the empire existed for like literally five minutes and it's like i don't like he's talking about like oh like well round up those civilians round up these ones it's like literally we'll put literally everyone in jail what are you talking about like wh- where are these these hardworking twi- these you need these twi'leks to go out and mine you know, uh, unobtainium so that you can get, make tax dollars. Like he's literally talking about arresting all the civilians. And it's just like, could you stop being a cartoon? I mean, I'm watching it. I see the irony, but it's like, but it's like, you know, I just, I, he's so crazy and like cartoonishly evil that it literally, it takes me out of it in the same way that, that the bad batch putting a child in mortal danger on a weekly basis takes me out of it. It's like, she's part of the team. All right, part of the deal. <laughs> you know, it's just unnecessary. Like that speech he went on about, like, then we'll arrest the next group of civilians who protest and the next one. Like that was not integral to the plot, and it just it didn't ring like an intelligent leader of any kind. It just seemed like it just seemed like overkill, cartoonish evilness, and like Separate I don't know if I'm all the green Twi'leks from all the blue Twi'leks. Exactly, and you know, it, and these are very progressive Twi'leks. Like the men have lower cut shirts than the women. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> they're very, uh, they're very like they're very enlightened hippie Twi'leks, and uh, you know, they're, yeah, they're French. They they do things differently over there, uh, and then, but you know, like when you talk about in in like jailing all these civilians, like. It like it like maybe I'm alone and maybe I'm crazy and maybe I'm expecting too much from this show. But like sometimes those sort of speeches are just like you didn't need to do that. It sounds ridiculous. I don't believe that you could run a functioning empire for longer than 18 years with these policies. <laughs> maybe that's just me. But I think that's where you get like people like Krennic and Tarkin who just constantly like vie for power. Like that's the thing. Like I remember this was like a Pablo Hidalgo thread from years ago. 
that like part of like the brilliance of what was it, Admiral like Gerard from like Return of the Jedi was that he kind of like wanted no parts of the power struggle where like Vader comes to him at the beginning of Jedi and he's like, We're trying, sir. And that's just kind of like that's the extent of his ambition was that like all these career Imperial officers just wouldn't stop like trying to slit each other's throats. So like this is this like a post Disney purchase Pablo rant or yes like, yes yeah. no I wouldn't say rant but this was like I, I want to say probably like twenty eighteen maybe well, twenty like eighteen years ago I was like whoa how long has Pablo yeah. been on Twitter but that whole time since Twitter began but I think yeah. it was more like like the whole idea that like you had like that sort of just like rivalry between like Krennic and like all the I know even like in the like in a lot of the ancillary media. That like takes place like like between the uh, Sith and Star Wars. That is where like there's a lot of that just like jockeying for power. Like like I want like an audience with the Emperor. Like the whole thing with like the youth. Well, I've lost how track how many Thrawn trilogies there are now. But like in the Disney nine. first Thrawn trilogy, I know right? it's like nine Thrawn. There's nine Thrawn books now. Um, now that they're like weirdly like re. We'll talk about that too. The fact that they're weirdly reincorporating like Legends books and they're and they're pushing that hard. Um, we have to get to that as well. Um, there's a lot to discuss this 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 evening, um, but no, I think that's the whole thing. Is like going back to Ramper. Is that like I think it's supposed to be he's supposed to be almost like the prototypical like imperial officer. That like he's just somebody that's just like getting. Like think about it. it's all so new. Like think about it. Vader's not even really operating at like anywhere near like an efficient like percentage at this point like in the Empire. Like Vader's he's, he's still, still he's still files. Yeah, he's still like shaking in the back of the tank at this point. Like it's been five minutes. Exactly. So like I think that's the thing. It's like nobody really knows what's happening right now. The only thing we kind of know, like we have like a timeline for, and I use the time like the word timeline very loosely, is like easily like Crosshair and his squad is easily like the prototype of the Death Troopers. Yeah, definitely. And uh I, I don't know, the whole power struggle thing with uh I see this as kind of like the dawn of the governors, right? Isn't that what they're building up? Like, is he going to be Governor Rampart? And, you know, this is the, the – it seems like that would be so far off where the governors are taking over for the senators. It seems like this is already happening on Russ Rylaw. Yeah. Well, it's quick- years away, actually, but yeah. It, but, like, it, but it would be – but, you know, now that you say that, it would be – like, and it, it can't be this show, but it would maybe, – maybe Kenobi. I forget when Kenobi's supposed to take place, but, like, it would be – <clears throat> amazing to see like the like when Tarkin says in episode four like that the like a, it's literally a, a one-off line about dismantling the senate like seeing that from a sort of clone wars slash prequel like amount of like omnipotence where you actually see the stuff happening would be amazing would it though like isn't that like the isn't that like the entire like argument against the prequels? I was about to say that's that the like, knock on the prequels is the deep po- political cuts, and it it seems like a, that's why those sequels they didn't even bother, and maybe they thought well, that that bothered people. It's confusing, but it depends. Like who, like what, but like what do you actually think? Like do, like do you think that that episode one, the a ridiculous action movie with you know like more explosions than like anything else on the market like is too political like i mean i guess so like that's well, something that's, people say i about think it. i think it's also just it's, it's a talking point like it, like that's the thing too like it's like it's like now that like star wars is in this weird sort of just like holding pattern um it's interesting to see like a lot of these like 
oh god, articles being written about like the current state of Star Wars. And a lot like and now like I guess that the prequels are considered like in vogue and you really can't like punch down on them anymore. Um, it's interesting to say like now the oh god, the generalization like complaint for the prequels is like unnecessary, like like oh god, politicization of Star Wars as in not like like in the real world, but just the idea Laughable of like, by today's standards. You know, the, yeah. the whole idea. The whole idea of the the prequels being judged for being overly political, I think it all well, comes yeah, like down. I mean, I mean, hold on, hold on, let me rephrase that. That's not the right word I wanted to use. I just, I guess the oh god, not bureaucratic, um, just like getting into like the weeds of just like the politics of the world. I didn't mean I, politicization was the wrong word to use. Um, but don't you think? But don't you think that it's all like, you know? I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. Like, you know how basic like the the majority of the audience is like it's it do you think it all just comes down to the fact that people were sitting there there were 17 years of build-up and and in the opening crawl before you even see Liam Neeson cutting up robots like like hilariously it says the taxation of trade routes like don't you think it all just comes down to that opening crawl just being like what are you doing to me? It's been 17 well, years. Uh, but this is but this is my problem, though. I can, again, not because we have a million things to discuss that are current events. I don't want to get too far into this. But, like, I don't think the prequels were ever, like, when it came to, like, mass audiences, they were never disliked films. They were never, like, The Phantom Menace was, like, the highest, like, the second highest grossing movie of all time, like, by, like, the late summer 1999. Like, second There's, only to Titanic. I don't know about that. It was. No, it made, no, made, that film made like nine hundred, like fifty million dollars. The whole reason why, the whole reason why that the Phantom Menace made that much money was because was, in years prior you had the special editions come out and people were so hyped because they said, "Ooh, the prequel is coming out." Do you want to know what the highest-grossing movie of the year before Phantom Menace was? Oh, James Bond. No, James Bond oh, came out. Meet Joe Black. That was not the highest-grossing movie of nineteen ninety-eight. Yes. Want to know why? You want to know why? It's the trailer to The Phantom Menace. There were actually stories about people going in, paying money for that movie. Joe, Joe, Zach wrote his dissertation on this exact topic. (laughs) (laughs) Damn right I did. Um, No, no, I can't. No, I'm aware. No, number one film. I hate that they do box office like this. Um, Of the top film. Oh, why do they do box office like this? It drives me nuts. Um,. Oh God, box! Oh God, why is why did you box office like this? And All right, the highest reason why that movie made any money, Meet Joe Black, was because of the Brad Pitt's NRS agent. Okay, here's your top three grossing movies of 1998: Armageddon, Saving Private Ryan, and Godzilla. Those are your top three highest grossing movies of '98. Not that oh, that's well, opening Godzilla. weekend. Yeah, Godzilla. Again, you look at it like highest grossing movies. Arm. This is worldwide: Armageddon, Saving Private Ryan, Godzilla. And then, like, there's something about Mary, which is insane to think a comedy made almost like that much money back in the day. What a time to be alive! Like, Jim no, Carrey but, like, was... but this is, but no, but th- this is my thing though. Like, the same reason why now, like, it's weird how, like, again, Rob would love it. It's the goddamn Twin Peaks thing of it's happening again. You just look around. It's like what happened. Like, look at the Disney sequel trilogy. Force Awakens to this day is still the highest grossing film domestically of all time. And yet, like when that movie comes out in 2015, it was considered the second coming of Christ. 
And yet, it's amazing. It's amazing the pervasiveness that like my brain will not accept that as a fact. Like if you asked me that with before you just said that, it would have my answer would have been like a Jimmy C movie. That's the thing. Like like not even Endgame. Like Endgame came out three and a half years after Force Awakens, and Endgame still fell short by like I think eighty million dollars, and that's with a couple years inflation. Um, that's the thing. It's like Force Awakens comes out. And it's considered the second coming of Christ. Then a couple years go by and then it becomes, oh, the sequel trilogy was a disaster. And it's like, no. And that's what happened to the prequels. Like, like after 2005, it was like, you had like, yeah, you have attack of the clones where it took a slump. And the anomaly with the sequel trilogy is that like the rise of Skywalker didn't rebound. And that's because Disney didn't put the marketing dollars into that film. And I still like, like it's been now a year and a half. I still cannot get how like say what you about the rise of Skywalker. Um, I realize as time goes on, I I'm, I'm the anomaly in that regard. Cause I'm, I'm the only person that really carries a torch for that film. Um, but it's the idea that like these movies by the mass audiences were all liked. They might not be the, like, it might not be the greatest thing of all time because no movie anymore is the greatest thing of all time. Even the Avengers Endgame, We've forgotten about that movie. Nope. Nobody talks about like, like Thanos and all like, like it's there in the pop culture, but not in the same way that like things in yesteryear were. But it's um, not even it's not a mystery why that's the the case though, right? And what what do you mean? Like, what's that in reference to? It's like it's literally down to like, it's literally down to like the calculated nature in which these things are conceived, like from a marketing perspective. Yeah. Oh no, I, I agree wholeheartedly though. But like, look at it, like. Oh God! Avengers. If there was ever a movie that should have sat, quote unquote, on the zeitgeist, it should have been Avengers Endgame, and it had the staying power of like two and a half months, and then everybody forgot about it. And if you wanted, well, to, it, it, well hold on, it's a concept. You know how I know that's the case because like halfway through 2020, when China was just like re-releasing anything with like a pre-established name at the theaters, Avatar retook the highest grossing film of all time thing by a decent margin worldwide and nobody cared. None of the Marvel fans got upset. Nobody cared. And th- and it, that... It, Avatar, like, hot take, Avatar is better than anything in the MCU. I, I it, it's that's its own Chris that is its own like dissertation that we're not, I, <laughs> Joe I'll give you two sentences three if you have to on responding to that but cap it off at that all right uh Avatar was a complete movie all right Endgame is a different story you can watch Avatar from start to finish and it, you're getting a complete movie there you're seeing the whole story all right Endgame was a continuation to Infinity War the only reason why Endgame was any good and made any money was because the movie before it. Yes, Captain Marvel. And that that is what made because when you see Endgame, Endgame wasn't as great as everybody says it is. It's a continuation of that story. It's only great because the movie before it was amazing. Captain Marvel. I appreciate this supporting argument. <laughs> because you sit there and you look at it, all right? It, you have a you have an empire the strikes back moment with the Avengers. You know, they're at their lowest form. They just lost half the population and all. I object to like on the Zinger's not with us. I object. Uh, I'm slamming a gavel right now. Like (laughs) you're talking about the Empire Strikes Back and Avengers at the same time. Like you must, 
you go to jail right now. <laughs> well, you sit there, you sit there, and you look at it though. Empire Strikes Back was a great movie, more so than Return of the Jedi. Are you going to say that's that's no, not true? No, that's yeah. It was pure, my objection is purely related to discussing the MCU at the same time as the original trilogy of Star Wars. I think that's, what Chris is trying to say is hair. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Thank you. I'm not being mean, Joe. <laughs> no, I mean, Joe, like Joe, Joe just like bought all his credibility in the world by describing why Avatar is better than anything in the MCU. So, like, I'm Team Joe from now on. Okay. The point being, and I know what Joe's getting at. Like, it's the idea that one was a culmination, one was a complete experience. I, I, I get that. Uh, but like, in the terms of just looking at this as something that's able to capture the zeitgeist. The Zyke, I would imagine that if you probably look at the people who saw Avengers, if you pulled everybody who saw Avengers Endgame, I think you'd be shocked at how few people who saw that film had seen every Marvel film. I, I'm not denying that probably the majority had seen Infinity War, but I think we'd be shocked at probably the fact that the majority of the audience for Endgame probably saw less than 50% of the MCU up until that point. I'll agree um, with that. And in the theater for that film on opening night, I remember hearing a conversation in front of me where one guy, right when the opening credits started, he goes, Disney, man, they got everything now. He did not know that Marvel was a Disney thing. And I was kind of like, oh, this is this is kind of an event movie for people who don't even care about it. Well, not counting Ellie. Sorry. Saying and, and isn't and isn't that interesting? And isn't that interesting that you're seeing a Disney logo at the start of Marvel films, but not Star Wars films? I don't think any man. I'm surprised they don't have the 20th Century Fox thing back in now that they own it because I think it's they do. They do. It no no longer exists. The the, the 20th Century Fox thing is back in front of the original trilogy and the prequels. Oh no, I I meant yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean like new stuff. It no longer exists. It's 20th Century films films or productions, whatever it is. Yeah, it looks weird. I don't like it. (laughs) It's. Not good, right, you know. Like Atari is just a merchandise company now for T-shirts, and it'll make <laughs> exactly. It's, but you know, it just looks slightly off-brand and fake, and it's weird. And it's a damn shame that so many things are under one roof. It's a sign of the end. It, you know, it's not. It's like it's like I was saying. Uh, you know, if for those for those of you listening who who are partaking in the Knights of Vader Facebook group. Like I recently like posted this uh, this Hot Wheels car that is repainted and it's an existing Hot Wheels Star Wars car that is literally a basically a Batmobile shaped like Darth Vader's head. And yeah, I have thing, a few of those, the all black ones already. My kids have well, a bunch of those. Okay, kids playing with it is one thing. That shouldn't exist. Period. A, a, a <laughs> car shaped like Darth Vader's head, and beyond beyond that, like it was repainted to match the the color con the color scheme of marvel star wars number one and the card for this hot wheels car was that comic book and i i just asked the question like do you ever think that we weren't the earth wasn't meant to exist this long for stuff like this to happen and you know we gotta keep it pure and we gotta have the star darth vader can only be on 70 style vans because that's that's what i'm saying though but like you know what i mean like what was a like Okay, so I'm so glad you brought that up because you know, like um, the 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 Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast it, it had a recent episode about vans, and 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 you know, what were they saying to kids by in the 70s? You could buy a 
a like a literally a utility van with like a mural of Star Wars on the side of it. <laughs> like who was like who is the man who in the seventies who has a utility van with a Star Wars mural spray painted on it? A fun it's guy, basically... a guy out having fun, a guy with candy older. In it. Hey, right? stay the same it's, age kind of guy. Yeah. It's 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 the guy we all want to be. You know what I mean? It's the guy we want to be, but we've slowly not become that guy. Yeah, Lone and, Star, right? <laughs> Lone Star. Exactly. And, you know, you compare that to a, a car shaped like Darth Vader's head, and it's like, where do we lose our where do we lose our way? You know what I mean? That's what I'm that's all I'm trying to say. So like that shouldn't exist and Disney shouldn't own Marvel and Lucasfilm. It's crazy. And but this is, okay, I guess, okay. This is where I want to kind of segue a little bit more into like the Boba Fett thing cuz that like Boba Fett like slave one cuz this is like more like Disney stuff. But, like this is the thing though. George Lucas has a quote from like the mid-80s, like right as like Star Tours was being like, like a germ of an idea. And he says, if there was, if I could never do it myself, there's only one company I would trust with Star Wars. And yes, that was like mid 80s Disney because it was the birth of Michael Eisner. Like, that ta- gave that, him the Paramount deal. I'm, I'm going to let you continue, but that ties in very closely to you, you go for your like early, like 2011, 2012 interactions with, between Lucas and uh, Bob Iger. And he sang to Iger, like, if I was going to sell it, it wouldn't be to anybody else. Like he maintained that perspective for a long time. Well, and, and I think it's pretty clear now that he, re- he, I think he regrets selling Star Wars. I, I think he doesn't regret the fact that it's a burden off his shoulders. Um, but I think he regrets for the legacy. Cause again, we, we've all seen the Charlie Rose interview and like, you can tell that like they forsake, they, they forsake Star Wars. Rest in peace. Well, yeah. Charlie Rose. Well, that is. Star Wars I, or Charlie, Charlie Rose. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No one's saying R.I.P. to Charlie Rose. Did he get canceled? Completely. Okay, I just want to make sure. Him, off like, off the map, like completely gone. Wait, did he, he, have, he had a Zoom moment or something? Yeah, he, 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 he actually never existed, which is a problematic <laughs> for referencing this interview. <laughs> oh god. Okay, but let's. This is the chance of how we get into like Slave One. So this is okay. Long story short, they're making a new like another iteration of Slave One for like Lego Mandalorian season two. And the box art says Boba Fett starship. And everyone started having their pearl clutching moments. Like like the, like the YouTube hate mob is all like hot and bothered. And I was like, oh no, it's fine. Then like on StarWars.com, they changed the URL page for Slave One to Boba Fett Starship. Everyone really started like 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 pulling their hair out and running. Um, and this is the thing though, is that like this is the nature of the beast of Disney. Like everyone's like, like again, like not to get into the whole conversation about how politically correct our society is, but like Disney has always been afraid of its own shadow when it comes to these things. Like They've always cut and run when there ever was even the the slightest whiff of a potential controversy. Like this has been going like they've always been afraid as a media company, they've been afraid of the media like forever. And they and they do everything within their power to avoid quote unquote controversies like this. And considering that the like massive focus that Boba Fett's gonna have in the next couple months, because I think about it, we're like what? a month and a half away from like a trailer for the book of Boba Fett. Like, True. so they have come out December. Is it December release? Like December. we're not getting Mando till next year. Right. Yeah. So, so can like, anybody else completely predict how the slave one renaming is going to come about? Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe and I have already discussed this. Go ahead, Joe. Pitch them your idea. 
It is not the same ship. Hmm, that's a that's pretty good idea. Because I mean, let you finish, but wrong. How long was he in the Sarlacc pit? Long time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen. Someone... No, no, no. Stop, 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 stop. Couldn't have been more than two days. Oh, okay. Really? Elaborate. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, because, because he's such um, a great he's tactician. A human he's a He's a tactician, just like Omega is, right? And he could tactically get right. out of that. I'm, I'm bringing okay. it to bad bad. All right, all right. So finish, finish your theory, Joe, so I don't rudely interrupt you. But I'll tell you the correct story why the ship's going to be renamed after that. All right. Jesus Christ. I, I look forward to that. All right. So he sat there, got swallowed up by the Sarlacc pit. All right. You think Jawas on the planets aren't going to notice? That ship that hasn't been off ground in however many days, they're gonna they're gonna scrounge it. They're gonna. He lost his armor. He lost his ship. I don't think that you're gonna see that. You know, it, it's the Mandalorian goes. How long does how long does the Mandalorian pick up after Return of the Jedi? Six years. Six years. And if he had a spaceship, you don't think he would have gone off planet? Stop. Stop for a second. All right, so what ship are we seeing in the Mandalorian season two? Razor it's Crest two. Fire Spray thirty nine. Do you have more to that, or are you, is that pretty much the thesis there? Any the other movies I've seen, I haven't really seen the interior of the Slave One, except for maybe Attack of the Clones. I don't know if it's set up the same way. It's consistent with Attack of the Clones. That and Slave One was never actually noted, noted, actually given a name in the movies. That's why I wanted to break up. It has it ever been said? No, I don't know if it was it, it, okay. So it has. It is the slave one in canon. It's in. It is referenced in canon comic books and other material that that is the name of the ship since Disney has purchased the company. All right, you ready for the real reason why it's going to happen? Sure. Because he was <laughs> in the Sarlacc for three years, saying he's trying to eat me. <laughs> exactly. Exa so this is the thing, right? Like, so Tamira Morrison did, uh, like, for those of you who follow your MCU, which I don't watch the movies, but I see the social media nonsense. So you had a guy named Alfred Molina, like, recently accidentally, spoiler alert, a bunch of stuff that's going to happen, connecting the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies to a, a new Spider-Man movie that's going to happen. Because he's an actor and he doesn't understand that these fans are lunatics and you must keep everything very quiet. So Tamir Morrison did a similar thing where he said that we're going to see what Boba Fett's been up to and like all the gaps of his cinematic life, like where he was when we didn't see him in the original trilogy, like during gaps in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So I think that this is really going to come down to, it's not going to be a direct continuation of the scene we saw at the end of season two of the Mandalorian. And it's going to be him surviving the Sarlacc pit. And that's going to like, they're going to put my, my take on this is they're going to paint that as he's getting a new lease on life. And he, it, it, they're going to, it's going to be an amazing struggle for him to get out of there. And the, the ideological shift that occurs within him due to the struggle is going to cause him to rename the slave one because he's it's no longer the slave one he's got a new lease on life 
It's gonna yeah, be like okay. it's gonna be okay, something Chris. stupid like the Phoenix or something like that. It's gonna be well, Chris. Pause that, Chris. To be fair, why ask Joe to like pitch his thing? This is like verbatim what he told me, like in real life. Because he's like, yeah, this is exactly what it's gonna be. It's like he has a new lease on life, and it's gonna be called like instead of Slave One, like Liberator One. But he and said it's a different ship. Like, no, okay. why would you ever I think was, it's a different I, ship? I wasn't okay. Joe changed what he's Joe's opinion or theory changed since last time I spoke to him about this because we had like a 10 minute conversation about this. We had a 10 minute conversation, and we also said that I don't think it's Boba Fett that you saw in The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, that too. Whoa, oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's because that Boba makes Fett. perfect sense. That makes so, perfect sense that it's a different ship. But Chris, to your point, I wanted to ask if, if they are going to be showing all these elements, is there a chance you think Daniel Logan is going to show up as a skinnier, younger Boba? Zero percent. OK, just checking. <laughs> He's too busy on the convention circuit, right? Got a lot. Of, there's too many autographs. to be. I done. mean, listen, like I lo- like I love that guy's commitment, but like how glad is everyone on Earth that Tamir Morrison is Boba Fett and not him? Indifferent? Like, like, I don't know, because this, okay, this is my thing, though, because like we didn't really get into like we were so kind of just caught up in the hype of like the latter like episodes of season two of the Mandalorian. Is it like like I've rewatched a bunch of that stuff and I love how sparingly Boba Fett is used. Like he's in what, like every episode like of those last four, he's in it for maybe what, like a minute out of like anywhere from 20 to like 40 minutes, like combined screen time in each like chapter. I know where you're going, but like. Let's remember the fact that Favreau want the Mandalorian was supposed to be the Boba Fett show if we're yes. to believe rumors. Yeah. And the Boba Fett show is happening now. Uh-huh, which is scary, which is that means they haven't learned any of their lessons from Solo. Hmm. I mean, can That's you why they go put Solo in it to fix it? You see, <laughs> it all's going to work that, itself no. Solo, out. Those two are so- going to fix each other. Solo's going to show up in Calrissian Endor. And that's where you're going to see Maul. And you're going to see what's what's her name? Kira. Now, like, Kira's been, like, reintroduced back into canon, like, in a comic book. Um, and, 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 like, and what's her name? Uh, the Kira's been girl that canon rockets. the whole time, but I don't know what you're saying. No, 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 I mean, like, okay, but she she reappeared. Like, as in the sense of, like, she, think about it, She, like, like, drives off into the sunset a la Paul Walker and Solo, except, like, a lot sadder. And then, like, or, like, like more melancholy. And then, like, for what now? Three years she's been MIA from canon? Do you ever think about, okay, this is a little bit of a tangent, but do you ever think about the fact that, like, Lucas wanted Darth Maul to be, like, the antagonist of the sequel trilogy? He said but, apparently the archive books claim that, and I know that's what you're referencing. But that yeah. feel but that feels like like Lucas now, like years later, being like, yeah, like I was getting see if you nerds would just like stop bullying me. You have gotten Darth Maul as like the villain of the sequel trilogy. Well, hold and on, I don't though. believe that. I don't. Well, believe I that. do believe that. You know why? Because in the Art of the Force Awakens, there's 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 pre-production work for Episode Seven. That went well, like while Lucas was still integral, that shows Darth Maul with Darth Talon as his apprentice, and it's in this printed Disney era book as like this is what we were talking about at the time. So, like, I do believe that, and not only that, but like the idea of like the new Jedi Order facing off against 
a crazed underworld led by Darth Maul, who was being set up while Lucas was still in charge in the Clone Wars as like the leader of the underworld. Totally makes sense to me because it's a natural progression of where the media was contemporary at the time. It's almost like Shadow of the Empire type stuff. Put him in there and set up Prince Zizor. And it's another yes. like, where were they during the OT kind of thing you got to do with, but with more not just shows, but with the the sequel trilogy itself. It's, it, it is weird as a film because it's like, when did we last see Darth Maul? It, you know, I I do understand the idea that like, if you did Episode Seven with like Darth Maul reemerging somehow as the leader of the underworld, you do have to do some legwork to explain how he's not dead, because no, n- most of those people aren't have aren't going to have watched clone wars but like but like is that more is that legwork worth it for having a trilogy that has a different sort of cadence than the one before it you know you know what i mean chronologically the one before it you know what i mean it feels too Clone Warsy, cartoony for to to work. That maybe that's a good thing that Disney didn't was so scared of prequel esque things that they were like, no way are we putting the prequel villain in here. We'll never know. Well, that's okay, but this is the like the weird. Wait for thing Star about- Wars. What if twenty twenty three? We will find out. Well, that's what Visions is going to be to like a lesser, like a more. I'm glad you brought that version. up. Vision. I'm excited for that. Honestly, I like too. I'm genuinely excited for that. Like. No, there's no ounce of cynicism in what I'm saying right now, which is like, I know it's imp- like very hard to believe for like any of you who are on this, this recording right now, <laughs> but like, like that actually it, like I watched the, 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 the like sort of launch video for that. And like, it genuinely seemed weird enough. And the fact that they are like, listen, let's just literally get Japanese animate people to make this stuff and it's not even going to be canon like my only problem with that is like none of the none of the the uh, animators got on on rollerblades and kind of did any nothing so i was kind of like some of the other reveals we've had we i don't even see one you know you know one one flight pad or anything in this. listen listen okay Hossack, Hossack, we have to appreciate that reference because that was just like a god tier reference right there. So I'm listening to this. Oh my god. I'm like, was he talking about roller skates? Then like it came back to me like like a nom flashback. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing that they did that was so so horribly misguided on a marketing level. Oh, it's still that, coming. That thing's coming why, down the pike, right? Hold on. This is why this is why Russ is a national treasure, and no one will mm-hmm. appreciate him while he's alive. Uh, it's, a, it's a tragedy. <laughs> it's a tragedy, but like you know, someday people will realize that he's a national treasure, and like, and like the few of you I'm... listening to this will realize realize that like as it's happening. But 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 re- realistically, like clearly, Rogue Squadron is going to fail horribly, and it's, it's going to be weird. It's... It's never going to ha- that's never going to happen, at least in the incarnation that because think of how many times Lucasfilm has done this. And like I said, I know like we've said this numerous times now, but how many times have they promised something because something of the moment seems hot, and then a couple of years go by and they get a whiff of something else that's popular. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna do that instead. Like, think about it. Like, oh god, when they announced the Ryan Johnson trilogy, was Mandalorian like that wasn't even in like pre-production yet. When, when well, the they, Game like, of Thrones guys, that yeah. too. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder like 
that they like on some level whoever's in charge of announcements doesn't realize how long it takes to make a movie like it's it seems like there's this weird disconnect of like the guy who made that announcement is 24 years old and he has no idea what he's talking about but no, you know this is the thing, though. I don't think it's that. I guess everyone likes to look at Lucasfilm like as if they're incompetent. I again, I don't think anybody who's in charge of the executive suite over there is incompetent. I think Disney, as in the studio, and this is a. Re- I, I want to bring this up, so like everybody, just hold on to their uh, tangents for just one second. I've I talked about this a lot with the Rise of Skywalker when that was being released. Um, I think Disney, as in. The studio element, the people that are above Kevin Feige, above Kathleen Kennedy, above Pixar. I don't know who's running Pixar right now once they got rid of John Lasseter. Um, I think they're giving the individual studios benchmarks as in you have to have an announcement by this date. You have to have this by that date. It doesn't matter if it ever comes to fruition. You just got to throw something out there, whatever it be, whether it be a book, announcement, video game. It's just something needs to come out at a specific time. And this is my theory behind this, is that like in, in peek behind the curtain for cinema of these, at some point in September, we're doing the Henry Selleck series that everybody knows that's um not, that's the director behind Nightmare Before Christmas, James and Giant Peach. <laughs> I thought you were talking, I'm getting you confused with John K- Sackick. What's his name from uh, Godfather? Sorry. Who? John Cor- K- the guy who was in four movies and then James Conn? No, the guy was in four movies and passed away. He was in like Dog Day Afternoon and uh, and The Godfather and, oh, uh, and Fredo. The Christopher Walken one. Yeah, Fredo, of course. Fre- Fredo. Um, no, 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 not not him, Russ. Um, I would say that's some highbrow stuff you're getting into on Cinemodities. Those were all <laughs> his knock was that every movie. Well, not knock that every movie he was in was nominated for Best Picture. But OK, in- indeed. Um, brilliant tangent, Russ. I- I'll-, I'll forgive you for that. I'm sorry, you said t- no tangents. T- ten, ten points to Gryffindor. Oh. Um, um, no, the point being is that like Henry Selleck, he also did Coraline. He was part of the Disney family like. Like, like he got chased out after James and the Giant Peach kind of bombed. But back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, they brought him back in. He was going to direct a movie called The Shadow King, another stop motion movie, very similar to like something like a Paranorman core line in that same vein. Um, but what happened was as he was making this movie, they already they were they were animating, filming the movie. This is the same time period in the wake of John Carter, Mars Needs Moms, all that, where the studio head, Rich Ross, got, like, got unabashedly fired, and they brought in Alan Horn, who was the former Warner Brothers studio executive who heralded Shepard in the Harry Potter franchise. He was retired, and they brought him out of retirement and put him in charge of Walt Disney Studios. And he's the and what he did to the Shadow King, like they, apparently they already had sunk $50 million into this movie. They were in production and he just unabashedly canceled it. Just canceled it and they and basically told Henry Selleck, "Sorry, the market isn't here for this sort of thing." Go and, he, and the one caveat that they did get, I'm sorry, semblance of empathy was they told Selleck he could shop the project around somewhere else. Um, long story short, that didn't come to pass. But everybody likes to look at Kathleen Kennedy as if she's just this kind of like dimwit. Like she, she's a combination between the dumbest person in the room, yet the most malevolent person in the room. And those two things really don't overlap too well. And as time goes on, the more and more I keep just thinking about Disney era Star Wars, 
I think Alan Horn is your villain here. Like, if you whoa, want whoa, a villain. Whoa. You haven't seen Kathleen Kennedy's office. She doesn't have a single toy in there. What are you talking I about? I know. And she doesn't know that they have comic books. Believe it. Games. I know. I'm glad you said that, Zach, because that's the real point. But that's the thing, though, is that, like, I think Alan Horn, like, when you think about all these things that just come across as just, like, arbitrary, like, this, everyone's like, oh, Pablo Hidalgo and, and John Favreau and, and Kathleen Kennedy are, are writing this stuff. It's like, no, folks, they're listening to orders from Alan Horn. And I also have, like, we all know that Bob Iger was very, very hands on with Star Wars in a way that he wasn't with anything else in the company. Now that for the most part he's taken a back seat with his retirement in the next couple months, it seems Bob Chapek, the new CEO, is nowhere near as hands-on or just like has to micromanage Star Wars as Iger felt he had to, um, which seems to be as of right now a good thing. Um, at least now that like Chapek's been in charge now for over a year and there's been infinitely less provinces there's been for the last how many years, um, that could be the fact there's not as much stuff in the pipeline. But like when you do get like the awkward announcements with things that are like premature, like whether it be like uh, the G- Game of Thrones guys or like uh, what's her name, uh, Patty Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins. How do quickly? It, how quickly we forget Woman, about? How quickly for, we forget about Rangers of the New Republic? <laughs> is this the uh, Cara Dune vehicle that we've all been waiting for? I we don't even wait. know. Like that's the thing. We don't even know if it was Cara Dune. Like we, we don't know. Like everyone just surmised. We know. That. We know. Come no, on. No, we now. don't. Like factually speaking, we do not know. Like it could be about chubby X wing fighters. Okay, Listen, it could, maybe it has nothing to do with her. Here's how you know. Here's how you know that was like a crazy time. Because it's like you mean in the, the distant, re- distant past of December. The restocking. <laughs> The restocking of Caradune figures was stopped. Like, what kind of okay. madman does something okay, like Okay, but listen, listen. You know who makes those decisions? Somebody who has a lot of power. A studio head would not think about it. A studio head does not have the time to call up Hasbro and Funko and say, I want you to basically push these things off the side of the barge a la the helicopters during Vietnam. They're not – like, a studio head doesn't have time for that. That is somebody very, very high up that just wants damage control and just makes a phone call and says, cancel it, click. And that's the thing. Like, I, it just feels like there's, there's a, like, much like how, like, I feel like Kathleen Kennedy is kind of like the Snoke to Alan Horde's, like, emperor. Like, like, that's what I feel like at this point. Like, Kathleen Kennedy is just kind of the face of evil, but I don't think she really has any sort of meaningful power. Like, she she has, like, she can get things done, but I think at the same day, she's following orders like everybody else is. Like, to think that, like, somehow that, like, she's, like, she's no more or less in charge than she was five years ago, in my humble opinion. I heard she was getting replaced. Yeah, every day she's getting replaced, and yet she's somehow still there. She's been there now. Think about it. Like, at like next October, as in, like, 2022, she'll be the head of Lucasfilm for 10 years. Let that sink in. And yet she's, been, she's being replaced now pretty much every day since December 2017. She's getting that Indiana Jones movie made. You know it's happening. I mean, we've been promised it forever. It's happening. I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, can you be less excited for anything on Earth? No, not really. And I, I, I'm still gonna say that. I don't care how much they film. That movie's not happening. Something's gonna, something's gonna happen. It's not that. real. Listen, when it's not, it's an <laughs> illusion. I know there's been set, I know there's been set photos. I like 
literally there's been set photos that were from kingdom of the crystal skull that were that were claimed to be the new set photos like that's where we're at at this point harrison ford deliberately injured himself again not to make another disney movie yeah and not only that but like 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 let's get real about spielberg for a second like involvement with this movie like he like i literally the story was that he left over creative differences does that mean that he wanted anything interesting to happen in the story and they just that wasn't going to work for them? So they had How's to Indiana Jones going to work without Spielberg or Lucas. Like, what's even the point? Let me really go let Harrison Ford write it because the general audience doesn't he know flies a lot more in this one, kids. <laughs> OK, but he, OK, I'm glad Chris is bringing up this Indiana Jones thing, because look at it this way. Kathleen Kennedy and Spielberg have been collaborators for what? 30, 40 years now. What does anybody think that Kathleen can, if Steven Spielberg comes to her with ideas for Indiana Jones five, that she realistically is telling him no, you know, who's telling him no, but they, you know, Spielberg was attached for a long time. I know. And you know who, you know, who makes that decision? The person that's in charge of the entire studio. That's the person who makes that decision. I, Bob Iger, I'm not sending Indiana Jones to the moon to search for relics. I don't care if it's the 60s. He is not sneaking on the Apollo mission, Kathleen. <laughs> Thank you for referencing a, a photo of the set that has confirmed that Indiana Jones 5 takes place in 1969, which is... Going to the moon, I'm telling you. Last time has passed. Less time has passed in the Indiana Jones universe than has happened in real life, which was the case with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as well. But, you know, Harrison Ford just doesn't, you know, he's still he's still doing good. And we can believe that he's five or six years younger than he actually is. I, I guess vanity, like make me 52 kids. <laughs> yeah, but you, but but, you know, like it's just going to be like horribly uninteresting and unproductive in any way and it's just a shame that it's like so like what kind of creative differences do you imagine separated spielberg from the process like that it's literally it came down to story like it has to have oh yeah well okay but look at this way though spielberg is one of the very few filmmakers left in hollywood that has like carte blanche like clout cachet and Disney is a company that lives exclusively based off market research. So Spielberg goes to them and says, okay, I have this idea where X, Y, and Z happens. They're good. Like the studio will look at the market research. And if those don't things don't align, they're going to say, sorry, we can't do it. Like, that's the thing. You know why you're getting a Boba Fett TV show? Because the market research said it was, it was ready for it. You know why you're getting a Rose squadron show? Because when they probably went and looked at the algorithm on Twitter and Facebook for how many times the words rogue and squadron were used, it probably met the criteria for greenlighting a film. Like, that's the thing. Like, none of these, just like going back to the Lucas comments from Charlie Rose, everything is a calculated decision. Nothing is artistic whim or shooting from the hip. Everything is what the market research or the out al- the quote unquote algorithm because we live in that age now, like states. That's why everything happens a particular way, and I think that's why I guess time goes on, more and more filmmakers like are getting like disenchanted with like Disney because even like I know it's a lot of conversations have come up now with like Marvel and stuff. Like, you look at like look at the original roster of like Marvel Phase One directors: Joe Johnson, Kenneth Branagh, John Favreau, Joss Whedon. Inventor and then, like, of Boba Fett. 
Exactly, which is kind of a shame. I never let Joe Johnston get involved with the Boba Fett like property because he's always wanted to do that. But that's a that's a topic for another day. It but like you look at who they're hiring now as filmmakers for these new Marvel things. Like it's not even like the Colin Trevorrow's or the Josh Tranks where like they had one like big film and then they get like thrown into like the giant just like three hundred million dollar mess. They're just hiring people off the street now that basically did like God like a film like like a film on YouTube. And they're like, here you go. Peyton Reed, leave him alone. Peyton Reed's a god. After like the Loki finale, and considering that like uh, the ending of that is going to tie in very directly with Ant Man three, ooh, he better stick that landing, man, because there's going to be a lot like narratively speaking writing on that film. I'm so Um, glad I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll give you okay, Chris. Like not to because I don't want to give anything away for the Loki finale. The Loki finale actually is like the kind of like moral quandary, a uh, quandary that you would want, like in like, like it's the sort of stuff that you would expect in Rogue One that we didn't get. Like, like imagine the whole thing about like the idea of like Galen Erso working for the Empire, like something that was like glossed over in like one sequence that was like clearly reshot and like lasted like forty seconds. That is basically the entire like climax for the Loki series. It's like, oh God. What is the moral dilemma of like making this decision? There's like consequences for making this decision. That's the sort of stuff that I'm like, I, I, it's, it's weird to think of it this way, though, but I think with the more and more like moving targets and properties that Disney just like keeps insisting on with this godforsaken streaming service, like it's like it's like what Leia says in Star Wars. Like the more you tighten your grip, the more systems will slip through your fingers. I think like when there's just one movie in production, they are exclusively focused on micromanaging, micromanaging that into the ground. But when there's like 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 two movies in development, five like Disney Plus shows, they can, never mind like the six dozen things Marvel has going on on Disney Plus. I think it's harder for them to just like just harp on Star Wars. So in a weird way, it might just be that thing of like they just they can't focus on everything, no matter how big they are. They're just they can't micromanage everything all at once, and that might be oh, the same thing Star Wars. Regional directors shall we oversee these projects. We shall. Okay. The regional governors will uh, take control of the systems. Ten points. Uh, oh God! But no, like I said, I think that's like I said, getting back to like visions and things like that. That's kind of the hope is that like they just start like spitballing, seeing like where things will take us. But then like like they like put out the trailer for visions. Then like two days later, like oh, there's gonna be a visions tie-in novel. And I'm like. Isn't that like defeating the purpose oh of my visions? God. A tie-in novel. I, to- I totally Came here to be that. entertained, not to read. <laughs> I, totally that. I totally missed that. And the idea that they're gonna be able to like just hire like some some like some like uh oh what's the nice way to say it? Some some absolute yes man to write this visions tie-in novel that they think is gonna like well, tie the favorite part of anyone's anyway to this show. The best thing about anime is always the novelizations. I mean, that's oh, what everyone knows in that, anime, yeah. right? Not the backwards uh, flipping uh, manga novel that matches up exactly to the story beats of the show, right? Oh, I'm <laughs> reading it the right way. I don't care. Yeah. Well, you know, but that that's the thing, right? It's like you, it's hard to it's hard to imagine like they're like that's the thing they're sort of they really in that teaser video for visions they really played up the fact that like we're not just it's not just white people like making anime shows like we we found japanese content creators who really 
are the at the peak of the the art and they're going to do this stuff and the idea that you can draft those people into a sort of by the numbers way of content creation is like mind numbing to me and i don't believe it's even possible and the fact that they're going to say that you can have a novelization that sort of ties in narratively with that show is like first of all the shows are supposed to be like one-offs like they're not connected at all they're right vignettes. So, they're like it's it's very unintentionally similar to what like tarkovsky's like clone wars was for now was, well okay i'm okay i'm glad for you said now. that i'm glad you said that joke because i have a question for the, for the lot of you is that let's say in whether as a whole or one of these individual stories from visions just takes off let's just say it, ca- it just everybody gets hot and bothered by it what does lucasfilm do Soft reboot. Follow that <laughs> line. That's what's going to happen. Oh, the one thing that you have to real you have to realize too is they're whole, they're going into the multiverse aspect that they're going into, into Marvel. It's not an original idea. Hey, it's going to work for this. Why don't we do it for that? So what they're trying to do is they're they're making a bunch of different cakes and hoping someone will eat some of them. <laughs> but that's the thing is that's where that's where everything is focusing. You look at anything marvel it's all about the multiverse now you got into the spider-verse you have them sitting there and there was articles i was reading on facebook that they're thinking about oh well the second trilogy didn't really exist because it all came from the mirror that ray looked into and that's that's part of the multiverse and uh, let's be clear about that what the idea was that the sequel trilogy didn't exist because it exists in the only in the universe where Ahsoka died, right? Was that mm-hmm. was that the theory Something for like a while? That, yeah. Which, like, I love it. It's not true, but like, it makes you know, it's only in only in. First of all, like, I don't. I think Ahsoka is like incredibly overrated. Like, let's not start that. I I feel like we're <laughs> mostly all gonna agree about that. It's like but the OP the, Jedi right there. Yeah, but in the universe where she's the best character ever and the savior of Star Wars, the sequel trilogy is what we would get in a universe where she died. <laughs> but, but but you know that that was a lovely theory, and it it's almost like they set up Rebels for that to be real, but. I don't buy it for one second. I don't think they would ever throw their own team under the bus in that way. Well, isn't isn't the next season of The Mandalorian just supposed to be almost be led by Ahsoka? Is that I mean, or is that just some clickbait that I'm falling for because clickbait. there's not much going is, on? But isn't know? that its own show? Like, there's an announced show that's just called Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. They're it's, hoping it's people be... forgot about that already. I think I think that may be going the way of some of these other ones. No, that's no. There's too much money being poured into that. I okay. As of right now, in my humble opinion, the only Star Wars projects I feel that we are going to get, we're getting Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett, we're getting Mandalorian season three, we're getting Ahsoka, and everything. A Bad Batch, obviously. Old Ben, Old Ben. Oh, Kenobi. Excuse me, Calrissian Endor. Um, other than that, I would say everything else is a giant question mark. Like Acolyte apparently is very is in pre-production right now because you had the comment where like apparently there's like one person in the writer's room at like three dozen that had never seen a Star Wars like film. And the Internet once again went through like an entire like the fandom went through another like pearl clutching moment. Where, hold on, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. So if you think for a minute that that narrative wasn't a calculated presented thing by Disney. Oh, like, it was. It was. It is, but like, but it's just like, who 
are you people that you think this is a good idea to say? You know what? Yes. You know why? You know why they did that? Because it kept it got Star Wars into the news cycle for one day. That's guess what? It got Star Wars an X amount of hits, clicks, uh, mentions on social media, and that's all that mattered. Because guess what? In the marketing plan, just overall for Star Wars, that was a be- that was a day where something needed to happen. And guess what? The media did its job. They they basically they lobbed the ball over the plate, and the media just took it and rammed it with it. I that's like, what it is. I like what you're saying, but I don't think the average person has any clue that Acolyte is any separate thing than what's going on right now. But this this is the thing, though, Chris, is that, like, remember, the people who are in charge of these marketing agencies, like, I'm sorry, not market, like, in charge of marketing, they know that. So this this is the point of that sort of, oh, God, tactic, if I can even call it that, is that, okay, someone at Lucasfilm takes this, whatever you want to call it, News, I don't even know what you would call it. News story, just tidbit of information goes to, I don't even know who wrote the original article, whether it be like Vulture, one of those, and said, here you go. Article gets published, and guess what? It gets the hardcores all riled up. Thus, it's shared on social media. There's images posted from the article on like image social media things where you can't really link to articles like Instagram, all that. YouTube videos are made on it and it trickles down into the normies feeds. And then guess what? If just one person, one person who that day had not decided they're going to sign up for Disney plus or rent a star Wars film from iTunes or go to Best Buy and buy a Blu-ray or anything, it's meant to just, it's there to stir the pot. That's all it's meant to do. It's that brutal. Com- I, you're right. You're right. It's, but it's, it's like, you it's know, sickening, it takes me, but it's the world we live in. It's literally like, it takes me back to like, you, do you, do you guys remember when, when, uh, JJ Abrams said that he's the, per- he basically implied that he's the perfect person. We're going, we're going back a long while here. Bear with me. 2009, but he's the perfect person to to direct a star trek film because he doesn't care about the narrative content you know it's like how can you say that and then also go on to direct two star wars films you know what i mean like there's a conflict it's like it's a it's sure it's an it's a headline but like when you look at it in sort of like a timeline context it's one of the most insane things that's ever been said but okay, but to push to be devil's advocate here for a second, look what happened with what's his name? Um, oh my God, uh, Tony Gilroy with Rogue One. He was the person like I came in, cleaned up Rogue One, and he's been God. He's been on the record numerous times now where he's like, yeah, I walked into this thing with like no care in the world other than the fact he that said he, a he job. said he said the Andor show was a complete mess when he got involved. <laughs> and no, 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 that was Rogue One. That was Rogue One. He, no. He Are you sure? Andor. Yes. Andor. No, 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 no. Gilroy is 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 part of the Hollywood establishment. He would never say something like that. I I feel like I'm I'm no. like so confident it's that Rogue was One. a thing. It's Are Rogue you One. sure? I, yes, because that's the story. That, like he did interviews like years after Rogue One came out, and he's like, yeah, when they called me up, this thing was nothing short of a disaster. And he goes, I, I had no interest in Star Wars, like on a fan level. Like he's like, as a professional, I cared about it because it's my job. But like as a fan, I had no affinity for any of this. And so I just did what was best for the story. And as we've said numerous times right now, Rogue One is literally probably the least controversial Star Wars thing to ever exist. Disney era or prior. I can't disagree. And that's what I mean. No. And that's and that's where like Lucasfilm again, Lucasfilm again. These are multi-billion dollar like corporations. They're not stupid. 
Like that's the thing. Like everything is calculated. Nothing is arbitrary. Everything is there for a purpose. And that's why, like, not to go back to Rise of Skywalker, like when you have J.J. Abrams less than 24 hours after the film debuts, say, like when somebody, some person asked him, like, oh, like, what do you think of the criticisms of the film? He's like, yeah, they're right. And he just throws the film under the bus basically for the next week until he just goes into hiding, like after he signed his Warner Brothers deal. And it was like, that's what happens. Like when like weird things peek through like the curtain, you have to really focus on it because like that's where you get your like your glimpses of objectivity. And that even like, and that's the thing. Even like, we're like in the like lead up to uh, Rise of Skywalker too. They asked him about like, oh, like why hasn't the original trilogy been released unaltered? And he's like, yeah, I asked about it, and they gave me a dumb answer. And like he says that, like I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't say the word dumb. I think he says like unsatisfactory. I know that I know that clip is in one of the episodes from like the Rise of Skywalker like like release that we did. But like that's the thing. It's very rare to find any of these people like talk like oh god in layman's terms. And when they do, you just really, really have to be listening. Cause like, that's like, those are your moments where you like, you stare into the sun. It might cost you part of your, like, it might cost you part of your well being, but you'll learn so much. Um, and that's just like, that's just a frustrating thing with like, di- I mean, think about it. Like, Disney is like, it's kind of like that old, like, what the saying that Winston Churchill said, where it's like, oh, democracy is the worst form of government, except compared to all the others. It's like, Disney's the worst studio that could have purchased. Star Wars, except for all the others. Like, would you have, would you rather have Warner Brothers controlling this? Where, like, now, like, after, like, oh, God, what was it? AT&T bought them. They're now being spun off into their own thing with, like, Discovery Channel. And then, like, you have Paramount that just is, like, betting everything on a quiet place. Then you have Universal, who is essentially just the Minions and Fast and Furious factory. I kind it's of like, would have r- rather have Warner Brothers running the no, show, but no, you d- you do not want Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers still has no do with DC. Think about it. how many years now has Warner Brothers had control of DC, and every time they get something successful out of it, they either ruin it or they just prematurely end it. But is there a, is there ever such a? But has there ever been such a like public acknowledgement of we messed up? Then the Snyder Cut, though, like you, you know what? Like, you know why that got made? You, okay, this is my answer to the Snyder Cut. Snyder Cut only got made only got released because that was that eight thing about it. the reason why Justice League happened the way it did was because it was rushed out the door because the CEO of or the head of the studio Warner Brothers was Kevin Sujihara. Him and the executive suite got a bonus if that film got released before the end of calendar year 2017. That's why that film just got like this and they constantly got cold feet on Hack Snyder's vision. The reason why jo- I'm sorry, Zack Snyder's Justice League happened was because it was new management came in. This was after the sale to AT&T, and you had new management that saw that there was social media engagement for Zack Snyder's Justice League, and if they put the money into this, they the algorithm market research said you would get a positive return from this. And guess what? They got exactly just that. Except there's no more. That's the thing. Zack Snyder's Justice League, quote-unquote, as a exclusive entity got to that return continuing that whatever you want to call it universe if that's even the right word to use for it that was not going to bring them returns but that is a sole one-off that brought them return and that's the thing I don't, it's all, but it's all the, the thing is though but once that makes money like the idea that that's the end of that universe goes out the window like the new flash movie seems like it's a part of that story it, it, like, it isn't isn't it's the same way that like now it that, is like, Spider-Man, part of the story 
It is and it isn't. It's the it same is. way that, like, it, it, I, I know. because it's, have... it's a soft reboot. Yes. That's what they're doing with it. It's 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 no way homing it. It's like okay, it's like with Spider Man now. It's like okay, you're gonna get all your all your Raimi villains in. You're gonna get all those characters back in, and it's a way of just doing something clever with the pre existing IP that the algorithm market research says is now popular, or it still is popular. So now that we have some level of control over it, we can mine it again. Everybody forgets that in 2010 there was going to be a Spider Man four, except. Raimi in the studio, Sony could not come to an agreement, and Tobey Maguire and Pearson Dunst walked away with Raimi. And then that's what, and that's when the reboot happened with Andrew Garfield. There was going to be a Spider-Man four, but now the guess what? Tobey Maguire's career has kind of gone like into hibernation. Pretty much all the actors from both the Raimi films and the Mark Webb films kind of have nothing going on right now. It's become profitable for the actors and for the studio to say, let's make a deal. And that's why you're getting this stuff. Again, again, this is all a calculation. The fact that it's something we enjoy and have nostalgia for is just a benefit for us. Like that Topher Grace is going to show up in this movie as Venom too. Like it, we is, can, is there going to be no, multiple Venoms? No, but we can only hope. We can only hope to, there's a scene where like alternate universe Topher Grace is sitting in a lobster tank eating a raw lobster. Oh, or, just, or maybe he gets lobster. to hang with Mad Max at some point. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you guys make fun of Spider-Man three, but like, like, I don't want to say this, but like, <laughs> like the current, the current times makes you nostalgic for Spider-Man three. Spider-Man three. Bring back I always, Sandman. I always like Spider-Man three. Like, I never understood why that film got crapped on, other than the fact that, like, it, again, it was the internet deciding that it was but bad. He danced. Not anyone particular. He he danced. Listen, I, listen Bully Maguire Bully Maguire is an <laughs> internet sensation and like nothing else out of the Sam Raimi uh, trilogy has made quite the mark on social media as Bully Maguire so like listen like something about that really resonated with the culture especially in current times so like and, we shouldn't and, okay right. not not Even, to be con- not to be conspiratorial but anyone ever think the timing of that combined with the fact that toby Maguire will be reprising his most famous role in a couple of months and anyone see the timing of this a little suspicious or is that just me that's Bully, why no way home is getting made Bully Maguire <laughs> has been around for like over a year so i don't know if that's but this has also been like 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 floating around now for over a year like what was gonna happen with no way home like this is like like I don't know, just the timing of it. Like, yes, yeah, Spider-Man three's been around now for what fourteen years. Like, it, it's not that. It's just the idea that, like, again, all of this stuff is plugged in. Like, the market research it tells them what to do. None of this is being made because somebody had a good idea. Do you ever think, like, so, like, I, so, like, spoiler alert for the Flash, which I'm not even gonna watch probably, but, but I saw recently some photos of the 1989 Batmobile from from the set. Yeah, I don't. They seemed like they were officially released because they looked nice. They weren't self haphazard cell phone shots. So, like when I see that, you know, all it does to me is makes me feel like it's a it's a damn travesty that this is not just a Batman movie. If you're gonna go to the trouble of remaking these things and you're gonna get Michael Keaton involved, like you know, it's just like it's just a continued. It's just that, like, they're just digging in deeper with their misunderstanding. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's relevant to like everything that we're talking about. It's just like you're 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 five inches from the mark, but you don't understand that what we really need is 
a comic adaptation of the dark Knight with Michael Keaton and you would change the world, but you're just too blind to see that that's what you need to do. Batman gets, gets butts in the seats, man. That's what happens. That's why there's going to be probably like, they're even trying to get Christian Bale in on it. Oh, what that's the no villains, though. They got Batfleck going in there. I want DeVito. Oh, yeah. I want Tommy Lee Jones. Is he still around? No, they're going to be, it's going to be focused. It's going to be focused on the flash. It's going to be him against the reverse flash. And then they're going to have like three, they're trying for three Batmans, but they only got two already. They got Keaton. They got Affleck. Affleck. Yes. Uh, we could get Billy D bringing it back to star Wars. Maybe he could finally get to be the two face. He always wanted to be. I know he did an animated voice. I think there's a comic book adaptation about the, uh, Billy D. Well, you know go. what I mean, look, they literally have all the parts in place and they just like they just can't bring themselves to do the right thing. It's tragic. It hurts. Like if I believed I had a soul, it would hurt my soul. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just it's rough to see that. They, it's like they got Keaton signed on. He was saying crazy stuff about like, oh, is it worth risking my life to like film this during the coronavirus? Like he was just like, saying really out to lunch stuff. But they got him. And it's like you you could just take a pause and write the movie that you need to like completely change the industry, but it's just not within them to make that choice. And then I think that completely relates to like what we're seeing with Star Wars now. It's like you could literally see you could just go out there and look in the environment and see the story that you should be telling, but you just can't do it. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's just again, I it boils down to Hollywood now. I don't know. It, it's a combination of nostalgia and uh, pre-existing familiarity with the IP. It's one or the other. Yeah, I think it's trying to pull all disparate fans. I mean, if you think about the whole DC verse, you've got people that are like Harley Quinn fans. You got people that like the Flash TV show stuff. You got, I don't know, somebody, I guess, likes the movies. And of course, Batman, there's always Batman fans. Is this, is this like a, their attempt to like unite them like Thanos, getting every little fandom in there for one thing? That's it. That's what they're doing. They even got the TV show Flash going to be on for a cameo in the movie. Going to reprise go. that whole uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth scene with uh, Ezra Miller. But no, it's going to be it's going to be a fun movie. Would I say it's going to win awards? No, none of those movies were going to be winning awards. But right, but, but isn't that the but it, but like let's stop for a second and realize that like like Batman 1989. Like I know this is a, a Star Wars show. Batman 1989 is is like a worldview like formulating film like it's up like say what you want about tim burton like a lot of his stuff is like you shouldn't be able to tell that easily who directed this movie batman 8, 1989 is a special film and it's just it, it, it it's really capitalizing on the cast and the design and tim burton sort of deciding like hey let's look at the source material and make something that really sort of speaks to that and you got to put yourself in the mindset of like you have Adam West and that's like in the cultural zeitgeist, it's Adam West. And then 
Batman 1989 out of nowhere, right? So, like, you really have to appreciate that only the comic book fans are realizing that this is, like, a serious non-comedic character at this point in history. So, you know, he's stepping outside of his comfort zone, not making something that's, like, overly stereotypical for his perspective. It's a little bit earlier in his career as well. But, like, we're talking about this is a real film that changed the industry, and it was, like a game changer and and you and we're getting michael keaton back and the same designs back and it's the movie's called the flash it's like forget the flash i don't care who the flash is what are you guys doing this is crazy you're gonna burn your one opportunity to like make like the best batman sequel ever period it's a crime that tim Burton's not involved regardless it's, it's like doing indie five without spielberg it's like it's his to destroy. If it's going to fail, he's the one who's supposed to make it fail. It's just like, what are you guys doing? It's a, it's, I don't know. It's, it seems criminal to me to like present, to do it in this way, get all the stars to align perfectly. And it's the flash. It's like ready player flash. <laughs> it's the only character in the DC that could possibly do it. Only character in DC. Yeah, but the DC DC doesn't have an MCU. You know what I mean? Like they can just do whatever they want. It could just be Tim Burton's Batman Three. It doesn't matter. They put out the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. It was crazy. It didn't fit in with anything else. People liked and it. Made, and it made a billion dollars without the help of China, which to this day Hollywood cannot understand. Yeah, they really should do more study on that because it's like it's amazing. I, what a, I, I think Hollywood looks at that as if it were an anomaly. They they figure it's not. It's like that was a one off. They got lucky. That's not the question. Like like let's not question it. Well, it was billed as a one off too. Who is? It was billed as a one off. It was, but like I think the idea is that like I think they realized that they had like and plus look at the talent like like Joaquin Phoenix also isn't the actor to sign like a three picture deal exactly. He, like, and that's the that's, thing. I think that's why I he's think, not Doctor Strange. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. Like they, they're not gonna they're not gonna do another Joker with him because he's not gonna do it unless he really feels married to the thing and he has some level of creative control over it. Like that's the thing too. He, it's also very rare to have talent that'll actually stand up. Like what do you think? If Burton thought he had even like a oh god, an, one iota of control over this, what do you think? He wouldn't want to be involved? The problem is that he would just sit he'd just be told to stand in the corner and just nod for the press photos. This is why Spielberg's not doing Indy Five and Exactly. Why so you were bringing it full circle, which is part of Lucasfilm, which also makes this thing called Star War that we have <laughs> a passing familiarity with. So back to the wild bunch. What did everybody think of something interesting that happened? Chris, we know you don't like the wild bunch. Why is it that you're so frustrated with this show? I mean, so like, let's let's boil it down, right? We everybody listening who's been listening for a good while knows that Russ is a more wholesome person than me. Like everybody can understand <laughs> that, right? Russ, Russ is a, Russ has a Russ has a family. He's a nice guy. He's nicer than me. He has Chris emotions. is a loner who murders. Yeah. Yeah, like, so, like the homeless so, people on the side of the road in Canada uh, and steals their Star Wars uh, vintage card backs. Sure. So, so Russ is like a genuine, real person, right? And when before we start, congratulations, Russ, you are yeah. real. I'm as shocked as you are. So, and, and yeah. before we <laughs> and before we start recording, Russ says that hey, I had to catch up on the Bad Batch just to have to be able to partake in this conversation. It wasn't grabbing him enough. 
And this is really what it comes down to, right? It's like, was there a moment in this whole series so far that sort of grabbed you and said, hey, this is real. This content has a soul. There's a narrative here that's worth telling. And for me, that was the first episode and nothing since then. Chris, yeah, shot it, Tom Lee. I was about to say when you guys were talking about unceremonious deaths of like, Dad, Tom Wee's dead. Like, what are we doing here? That was just so throwaway. And that was okay. Could have made that Tom, bigger. But I love what you're. I love that you're like elevating Tom Wee to the importance of the rancor keeper. But that's really what you're doing. <laughs> hey, I was gonna say more like Captain Tarples in the Clone Wars, where Grievous like impales him. But sure, we'll 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 take rancor keeper. I think that's even more of a compliment. But. Listen, the Rancor Keeper, it's like like Lucas has said a substantive comment on why it's interesting that the Rancor Keeper cries when the Rancor dies. That's more than you have for Tanwi, okay? <laughs> so, like, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, Tanwi has a name. That's, other than that... She's like, not it, just Clone Keeper? Doesn't just, she barely deserves to have a name. That's Whoa. all I'm saying. Hey, oh, my wait, wait, old Boba Fett hears about this. This is going to be a whole arc, the Revenge of Tan Wei. I did That's what the Book of Boba Fett is. The Book of Boba Fett is him getting like avenging Tan Wei's death. <laughs> I do love the meme. I did love the memes that Daniel Logan himself shared, where it said, "Dad, Tan Wei's dead." That was great. <laughs> but uh, but you know, but you had to remind people that she was a character that mattered because she wasn't until the Bad Batch. Because in the Bad Batch, you actually see her. There's literally shots where she's introspectively thinking about what to do, <laughs> which did not occur in Attack of the Clones. So, like, you know, let's not like blow this out of proportion. I'm just saying, like, the first, like, this is re this is really the the for me the tragedy of the Bad Batch is like, you would have had. If it was great, you would have had more Knights of Vader episodes talking about it. It's an objective. That's not true. That's I, not I, true. I, that I is not true. I believe it. Because I don't think you would have been able to resist. Maybe you have like some reasons why to say otherwise. Because like, it's more serial. Okay, okay. As somebody who has like their foot on the pedal of Knights of Vader, it's the idea that like with, with Mandalorian, those are concentrated like 30 minute episodes, and there's only eight of them. This is 22 minutes, like, spread out over, like, two dozen episodes. Which would mean that you would go every other episode, and which is, like, There's not, not... Okay, uh, you're both right. You're this. both right and wrong. The The Wild Bunch is both, like... I think it's stimulating just enough. It's stimulating as much as The Clone Wars was. Like, I, I think I've mentioned a couple times. Like, when I was in college... I watched the Clone Wars every single time, like an episode debut. Like I stopped what I was doing, whether it be like Friday night, Saturday mornings, because I know they switched the, the timing like after a while. And I watched it. Like as a adult in college, I on Saturday mornings watched the Clone Wars. But I just was like, I did it out of like obligatory part of like my brain when it came to Star Wars. Like there's a reason why. Like everyone just goes, "Wow, the 2008 series is so great," and I'm like. It was good for the time. Like it has no lasting power like the 2003 series has. It's not it doesn't elevate like like the 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 whatever you want to call it the brand or the franchise. Um well, okay, but like the like I get what you're saying, but like the two the 2008 series like so like if the only thing that like got through to me as a Star Wars fan was the first episode of the Bad Batch that's like one out of 12 so far. 
like that where I was actually like literally couldn't take my eyes off the screen. It's literally we're talking about the first episode. And when I look at Clone Wars 2008, it's a higher percentage than, than one out of 12. All right. That's all yeah, I'm I got to say. There, there have been there are sequences of it that I, I really do enjoy. I do. I do like the episodes. But, yeah, it definitely I'm not drawn there every week. Like, oh, my God, bad back. Just, I think I actually got distracted by Loki. If I look back, I think about the time Loki started, I kind of just switched my Disney plus brain to watching that instead. And now it's over. I'm going back. I have a couple of notes from kind of binging a lot of them today, at least the more recent ones. Do has anyone. Um, this is about Cad Bane's droid. Okay, he he's featured pretty heavily in a couple of them. Uh, keeping watch of the captured Omega, he keeps calling him Mister Bane. Has anyone ever said Mister in Star first Wars? Of all, first of all, his name is Chris Griffin. <laughs> but seriously, has anyone? Are you all about on that, Chris? Or this? You talk about Chris Griffin? The uh, is that the droid's name? Really? No, that's it's Seth Green. Oh, really? Okay. All right. From, you know, the, the, his most the guy famous, from Detours, his, right? His, yeah. His most famous credit. Somewhere Zenger's ears are picking up yeah. right now. Yeah. He's the Chiching guy. I've heard of him. Yeah. Aren't we supposed to have Zenger by now? Like, you know, that'd be great. To be Zenger's too, okay. I want, I want everybody to know that, like, we try to get Zenger, except podcasting quality is horrible when you're riding a bike 24 7. And it's broken. So I think he's Zang- walking. Yeah. Right we're all, he's in the morning. You know, any, Anyone who's anyone who follows Zinger on social media knows, knows that we're living in hot Zinger summer. <laughs> Zing boy summer, of course. And his uh, his weight loss journey is being uh, yeah, put out for us, which is very nice. I, I definitely support. I him. can't hate. Yeah, that's that's nope. good stuff. Yeah, he's probably he's literally riding a bicycle right now. That's why he's not here. He wanted to be here. Okay, maybe the Mister thing was kind of stupid too. But they also, in one of the episodes, when they're talking to that one uh, senator with the looks like the Monopoly Man, the big <laughs> Monopoly Man senator, when they rescue, yes, uh, where he talks about the draconian laws of the Empire. I was like, can you say draconian in Star Wars? I mean, that's a so Earth based. I know we have Christian Hell already, but I was surprised to hear draconian drop. I mean, there's literally that doesn't dragons. Bother me. Yeah, there's like there's already like so many dragons in Star Wars, so I'm I'm fine. Oh, what? right, I guess so. What? Like, wasn't what, wasn't what, like the what brother? What do do with this? Wasn't the brother a dragon, draconian? No, that's the, oh god, Chris, that's like like derivative of like oh god, of like Greek Greek. Like, oh god, I, I don't oh, know so it's not this. actually from dragon. No, okay. no, it's no I think D-R-A-C-O-N-I-A-N. English lessons. It comes from the seventh century BC Athenian legislator who created a written code of law. Draco's yes. code was intended to clarify pre-existing laws. What you should, what you should, made it really memorable. What you well, I'm, said, you know, I, Draco I can't Malfoy express to you how various I am. I can't express to you. You should have said this isn't Harry Potter, Star Wars. Like, come on, Kathleen Kennedy, get your act together. I, yeah, that was Count uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. It was Harry Potter, Star Wars. This is the Bad Batch. <laughs> If they would have said Duconian laws, man, that stay in Star Wars. That would have been great. (laughs) These Duconian laws, they'd be like, wait, you mean Count Dooku? Really? I do love, but I do love the fact that the word draconian brought you out of us. Like that speaks to me on some. That level. is a weird thing to put me up, but I was like, that's too. But I mean, Christian Hell doesn't take me out when Han Solo says it. I don't know. It's Corellian Hell, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, but getting back to the point of like the the wild bunch and like again, I I think this show it's like every Star Wars animated show like for the last what fifteen year almost fifteen years now, it takes time to get started. Whether it be Clone Wars season one, Rebels season one, this first season always takes time to get like its footing. So I'm willing to forgive it. Like like I like I am pretty engaged with this relative to like other first seasons. Like the first season of Rebels at the time, I was just so like I couldn't care less about that. Um I enjoyed the time the first season of the Clone Wars. It was fun. It was exciting to see Star Wars back. Um in 2008 but like this i have to say like i am pretty engaged with it because like i like what's going on with like crosshair like i to me i think the bad batch are the least interesting thing about their own show um i kind of like everything else surrounding it like even though like obviously seeing like hera chopper that's fan service but at least it makes sense for them to be there um like that's the thing like you have like like the the bad batch the problem is that their their character archetypes which is like decent when they have like a one-off episode part of like what season seven of the clone wars but like they can't just keep being these two-dimensional characters like you have like again like how zenger characterized them last year like you have a hulk clone you have smart clone you have like like you go through the entire list and it's like like rambo clone and like rambo clone now is becoming just like dad clone and it's like, okay, like you need to put some flesh on the bone of these characters. Um, th- like it, not that it has to happen all at once, but you need a little bit more of that. Like not every episode can then be just them doing a job and then, okay, we're moving on. It, it, yeah, I get every it. episode is, is somehow now Omega. They thought that she'd be learning from them, but it turns out they have a few things to learn from her too. Woo! Woo! I want like a laugh track and like that thing you hear like I'm like I'm like Full House or Married with Children where the audience is like mm-hmm. You should never put children in danger of like in mortal danger of gunfire. <laughs> that's all I'm trying to say. Can we please talk about how like, basically that maybe that's like the like trauma that led Anakin on his journey? The fact that like Qui Gon put him like in the cockpit of a ship during like oh god insurrection on a sovereign world. Do you ever think can, about the you fact that you can do that, the most damage in there, Anakin? Please. Do you, ever, <laughs> do you ever think about the fact that Episode One could not be made today? Made today. Hashtag Slate One. Oh God. Yeah, I guess not. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> What's what was the meme that was floating around a couple weeks ago? I got my name. My name is Boba Fett Starship. Oh, Starship. I'm, a I'm a person. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it would have been challenging to sort of navigate that narrative in in 2021. It's not we, even a controversial statement. Just like real quick though, to like give both sides of the argument to like the Slave One controversy, is that like on one hand. The ship is still called like Slave One pretty much across the board with the exception of like the Lego packaging. But at the same time, though, like nobody remembers this, but like in the like like lead up to Rogue One, like it was like October, November 2016. Like I think it was like Disney or I'm sorry, it was like Star Wars Launch Bay at the theme parks where like they had like a couple of the Death Trooper costumes on display. But like the little like inscription plaque in front of it didn't say Death Trooper. It was like Night Trooper. And apparently like somebody asked like the theme park people for clarification why they had the wrong name. And it was like, oh, yeah, we thought the name Death was a little too uh, intimidating for like the Star Wars brand. And everyone's just like, 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 
do you not realize oh. like like there's the Death Star, the Life Star, <laughs> yeah, say the Angel like, Troopers, like what do you call them? That's but that was the thing though, like like Disney gets on these weird kicks sometimes, and like that's the thing. So like I could see somebody like in consumer products part of Disney or like Lucasfilm like licensing being like yeah just call it this like like there's something they have in mind I don't know what's happening. Um, then there's the thing too that like on all Lego Star Wars like vehicles. Almost all of them are called like a physical description of what they are. It's very rare to see the actual name of the ship. Like, I, I this was a couple I get of it. I get like, listen, I get this argument. Like, I totally understand, like, why, as someone like, as a company like Disney, why, hey, maybe we shouldn't, because first of all, this is a like a like sort of second tier spaceship from 1979 or 80 we probably shouldn't put the biggest words on this packaging of a product we're trying to sell as the disney corporation saying slave one even though they did it last year on the vintage collection slave one never mind that so like still up on uh haslab by the way i just look at the hasbro site and they still have hasbro policy order your slave one yep but but you know, I get, I totally get that, but it's just like, what did you think you guys bought? Like, like, you know, it's those dark, sort of dark, like, edgy, mildly, really mildly edgy corners that like keep people interested and engaged in this sort of thing. Just, and it's okay. like, I think, I think we're gonna find out that McClunky is like a racial slur, so it's okay to just murder Greedo. That that could be it. <laughs> Like Greedo was super racist. He should not have said that. That's why it's okay if Han murdered him. Who who says McClunky? Is that isn't that wasn't that in the Mandalorian McClunky? It was Bib Fortuna. Me. Yeah, fat fat Bib Fortuna says McClunky. That's why he had to die. Also, that's true. It, yeah, that's uh, the you famous last it, words. Bro. Now, I, oh, I know, I know. God dang it! Even said. But just like just like like I think Chris brought. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, but to bring up Chris's point, like the thing about like, oh, like, would you get yourself involved with and like different things on packaging? Chris brought again, Chris and I being like the, the most hardcore of the hardcore collectors here, um, with the exception of uh, the Mary Suzanne a curator on our left. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget. <laughs> um, it's the idea, Chris, is that like you said, like the vintage collection box for the slave one, like, proudly states what it is. Then you have the Lego version. You brought up a really good avenue for this, Chris. And this is the idea that, like, like Slave One is the idea that, like, I'm sorry. When Lego puts their merchandise, that's available at Walmart, Target, across the board. Vintage Collection Slave One, you'll be lucky if you find it, like, a boutique action figure, like, reseller. I bought mine from a comic book shop. Exactly. Perfect. But look at it this way. In the age that we currently live in with social media, all it takes is one – oh, God. I, I really don't want to say this word. I'm not even going to say it. It's, I'm going to use the right word. Instigator. That when the Book of Boba Fett debuts sometime in December, is going to take a picture – of the packaging, let's just say hypothetically that Boba Fett Starship on the Lego packaging does say Slave One, just hypothetically in this scenario, and it says Slave One. All it takes is one instigator doing this, and it becomes a PR fire they have to put out. Which and is why, which is why it's going to be called the Phoenix One. Exactly. Like no, like I, it's either going to be given a new name, the ship, or it's not going to be named at all. Which is probably the latter because it's the path of least resistance. 
Well, if they didn't need to say the name in The Empire Strikes Back or The Mandalorian Season 2, I don't see why they suddenly need to... You know, that's the that, that's really where I don't like it, when there's this overt wink at the audience, right? So you, we didn't need to name it for 40 years. Never mind the fact that that parents in 1980 had to go out to the store and buy something that said slave one in big bold letters, even though they had no clue what that meant or it was never said in the film. Parents still did that and their kids thought it was great. Um, Same thing happened in 2002, Chris. And 13 just now. Yeah. But you know, no one complained, but you know, it's just the fact that they, that this happened all those times for 40 years even, you know, Disney era Hot Wheels say Slave One on them. It's just like, never mind that. Some They're worried about somebody complaining, one person causing a social media storm. I get it. I totally get it. But it's just like, but I think like, they're not. They're, I just hope they, they don't acknowledge it. I just hope it's not acknowledged in canon because no, that's just going to be Muk such Wunk. a wink, such a wink oh. at the audience in a way that it's almost like, like if they change the name of the slave one in canon and the book of Boba Fett, it's going to be like right up there with when Rose Tico says, you know, Leia wants me to do some other stuff, so I can't come on you, for, come with you for this movie. <laughs> you know. I mean, as she looks directly into the camera, it's going to be right there with that. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, we heard that you guys wouldn't like this, so we're not going to do it. Oh, boy. But yeah, call it the McClunky one in honor of his fallen friend Greedo. And it's a new ship. I'm with I'm with Joe on that. Yeah, get him a new ship. Call it that. Congratulations on being like epically wrong, but that's fine. It's not <laughs> wow, Chris is just gonna die on this hill. Like Chris is like, I don't like this fan theory. I the am going to let everybody know that I do not like I do not agree. I do not endorse. The chances of it being a new ship are three thousand seven hundred and twenty to one. Look, they're cloners and damn good ones. They can clone a ship. <laughs> when the book of Boba Fett comes out and someone says, Hey, you got a new ship, I'm gonna sit there and be like, Okay. I still think, okay, you know what my theory is? I st now remember, Mandalorian, Din Djarin, got his, show, his ship blown up, um, which you can now probably buy. Oh, God, it's going to be fun to see those things. It's the HasLab. No re HasLab, no refunds. <laughs> they send you a box of ashes and be like, aha. I love that. That should be like, pieces. That should be the, <laughs> that that should be, that should be the packaging variant. The knob survived, though. <laughs> and the spear. And the spear. Ooh. Um, but like, no, like I, I don't even know if that was a like tangent. Um, I don't actually, I completely forgot where I was going with this. You know what? Uh, proceed everybody. Wow. I completely forgot. We were talking you about HasLab. Yeah. You were, you were talking about Din Djarin lost his ship. Oh, oh yeah. I still think that he's going to get, I still think they're going to kill Boba Fett off and give, that's why I thought it was going to happen toward the end of season two. Um, I could see, um, Din Djarin getting the, uh, slave one. I can see Boba Fett dying in the book of Boba Fett. I can see that. I don't think it's even Boba Fett. <laughs> I don't think I know, it's Boba Fett. Joe. I don't think it's Boba Fett. It's Commander, it's Commander Cody. No. It's Hunter. It's Hunter. Hunter, we've gone through this, Joe. Hunter has like a giant like black scar across his face or like birth. He has muscle. a bandana. Boba Fett. He doesn't have a bandana. He has a bandana and he has paint on his face. He's got a manda danda whatever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god! I want the Havoc Marauder. I want that as the next Hazlab project. I'm just, I'm just curious to see who else is going to cameo on the Continuation Squad. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, more episodes. Yeah, they are checking the boxes. Is Zeb gonna get featured as a, like a young kid or something? And they're gonna uh, have a they're gonna have a checklist that comes out online. Or is Omega Sabine? Does Omega grow up to be Sabine? I think she's the the armor from The Mandalorian. Oh, and I think that's what Hunter is going to do. He's going to find Omega again. And are those truly Mandalorians, or are they clones that rescued Din Djarin? Oh, I'm so confused. <laughs> okay, so, okay, not to jump too far ahead, but, like, considering there's probably not going to be another Knights of Vader episode until the ending of this season, um, what is there going to be their Luke Skywalker in the hallway moment of the Bad Batch? Ahsoka. She hasn't shown up yet. They did that for Rebels, though. That was like what the season one finale of Rebels. I don't think I think they'd be afraid to do that again. I think I it'll be Vader. Think so I think it'll be Vader. How about really? that? We get to see Vader sent on his first mission. How about that? I don't know how, yeah. if that lines up with canon comics, but I think at some point they're gonna uh, they're gonna do something to go. But I don't. I don't Hunter's know about... gonna fail. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Bullseye's gonna fail, and they're gonna have to get into deeper Empire stuff. I don't. Wow. But this is the thing, though. But that. <laughs> Hauser. Um, I don't know about Vader because Vader is almost exclusively like a Jedi hunter. I don't think he would come after them. I don't think so. I, th- I think that's below. I think a renegade squadron of clones, that would be that's not a Vader thing. That's below him. I guess you're right. That's the thing. Vader, Vader. Oh, God. Remember, Vader's also being saved for the Kenobi series. So I would imagine he's in a very similar position to other characters where he's off limits for other media. Yeah, I guess that would make Obi-Wan off limits for this media as well. That's what I think. I think I can I don't know where the I think the bad batch for the time being. Like I don't know what the like season one finale like crescendo is gonna be. Um I, I really don't consider like we've kind of like sprinkled in a lot of cameos. Like like it, 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 in all honesty, I would have figured that Hera would have been something they would have saved for the season one finale. Um, I don't know who that big one is, unless it's going to be something very tangential, like Boba Fett. I could see Boba Fett showing up at the end of this, especially to how they went from saying, Oh, Boba Fett is the, is the alpha to her Omega as Tom. We looks directly into the camera and then gets shot like in the chest. Um, and he's got Chewbacca and Carbonite, so we can get our <laughs> Chewbacca and an R2D2 helps Chewbacca escape, but he doesn't remember him later. Yeah, we are due probably for a C-3PO RT2, like R2-D2 reference. We should be due for that. But yeah, I don't know. Bad yeah, we can like finally a... get our C-3PO hallway scene that we all have been waiting for. We've got Vader, you Luke, might not rec- You might not recognize me because I do not have a gold on. Yeah, you might not recognize me with my Darth Maul spider legs. And... <laughs> <laughs> that should be the next HasLab, folks. I want that. Chris, is there any other collecting news we should talk about beyond just like Hauser Ballast? Like, is there anything else that like, you want to talk about, like Haslab, like uh, Rancor? Yeah, well, you know, Haslab Rancor is like, like if Black Series weren't hot garbage and I st- didn't stop collecting it already, <sighs> I would be very interested in the Black Series Rancor uh, Haslab because, like, you know, who doesn't want the third giant Rancor expensive product? And released in the last two years, you know, <laughs> like you know, Tom's Tom Spina with Bad, Bad Robot did one. Um, I feel like Sideshow did a 
studio scale rancor within the last couple years like you know it's like if you want a giant rancor taking up like a a interior design level presence in your house these options have been out there for ages already and this one is going to be like a little bit more how do how do you say a little bit more pedestrian than those two options which recently occurred so you know it's 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 not a surprise because they did show off a big six inch or i guess i guess you'd say tw- uh, um 12th scale rancor at uh, san diego comic-con in 2019 and i think they showed off a bib fortuna at that point too which i think Bib Fortuna was recently announced for Vintage Collection and Black Series, if I'm not mistaken. Which, like, that's a good idea. That's about. They had time. to get him out before yeah. they fattened him up, so they didn't have to waste extra plastic later. Yeah, he, knew he was going to come back really big. Completely right, but you know, it's a shame because really, what we all want is the episode one version of Matt Wood, Bib Fortuna, not the oh, that horror yeah. show. That's too <laughs> spooky for this podcast. Stop yeah, it. so you know, it, but but you know, it does make you. But, you know, like, think about this for a second. You know, Bib Fortuna had the same job from the day of the Boon to Eve pod race until basically after the original trilogy, which is, like, pretty impressive. (laughs) Hey, Master Domo is a a, a good title. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. And, but, you know, it's, it's probably been like something like 14 years since we've had like a three and three quarter bib fortune that was like actually a new sculpt. So, you know, like, like I can get behind that. Um, but you know, the rancor, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing. If you want a giant rancor, like there's a bunch out there in this borderline exact same size that are a lot more screen accurate. Um, and you're not going to be like, that's really what it comes down to. Like, this is going to be a statement piece where it's like, People come into your house, they're going to see this Rancor. So, like, you're really making a lifestyle choice by pre-ordering this thing. It's kind of like a six-inch first-order TIE fighter. It's very, It's going to be about that big, yeah. I know. It's gonna, it's the, yeah. Okay. Is it going to be bigger than the TIE fighter? It's going to be right in right in that It's going to fit in the cockpit. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you know, if you look at your, you your three-and-three-quarter Rancor and uh, TIE fighter, they're, you know, the footprint is not dissimilar. So it's I gonna still be... say, I, I just want to say, like my favorite like action figure Rancor is still the one from like the Force Unleashed that's like neon colored. It's the, it has yeah. a little guy riding it. That's the only one I have, and you know it's very interesting when back. I don't know if it's if it's only Legends, but when the Felucians were like mushroom people, like I'm fully on board with a mushroom, a man made of mushrooms riding a Rancor with a saddle on top, <laughs> like the like Delightful. nothing. Nothing makes me happier than that. That's just perfection. So Zanger, like, if Zanger was here, man, we're so close to talking about Star Killer. It's like it's right there. Yeah, Star Killer someday will. I'm like I believe Star Killer will get a Black Series figure someday, but it that'll be good for the people who feel like collecting something that's already been put out in oh, three or ten years. Spe- ago. Speaking of uh, Star Killer and action figure form, uh, I think God since we recorded last, they probably put up that old Republic Trooper for sale. And I made sure I got three of them. It doesn't come out until sometime like in 2027, but I pre-ordered three of them. Wow. The most the most exciting thing about that is that there was a recent Hasbro QA where not only did uh Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, not only did Guy McFace, I, I wish I could remember, I wish I could remember his name. Now that's a deep cut reference. I, I wish I could remember his name to give him full credit on being like as oh, wait, Mr. Hasbro Live maybe? Yeah. 
Joe Hasbro Star Wars has accidentally said that the Rancor is the is the Haslab, which he wasn't supposed to reveal. And he accidentally said, oh, with the Rancor, we're probably going to get water distribution for the EU. And it's like, boom, you weren't supposed to do that. Hilarious. And it's just like, what? What's the big surprise? You're oh, it's a, it's a, it's a monster that has not named on that is not named on screen much like the Slave One from 1983. Let's keep this big secret for Haslab, a massive, like oh man, we weren't supposed to reveal that yet, but he accidentally revealed it on the stream, and then he at the end of the stream said, oh, you know, I might have mentioned a character name that you know we're not trying to reveal anything yet. You said it, dude. Like it's over. So he's you know he's covering his tracks. It's lovely to see i'd love love to see it it's great um you know don't do like extended live streams and expect you're going to maintain the party line the whole time so like he revealed the Haslab early they put out starwars.com put out a picture of the the jabba's of the gate that reveals the rancor in the movie so it's pretty much done deals they showed it in 2019 at a san diego comic-con it's Haslab's a rancor so like that's awesome. That's fun. It's funny that he accidentally revealed it. And on the same live stream, he's uh he's talking about he's talking about some of the, he's talking about some of the there's so many gems from this live stream. He's talking about how if you want to build there's a there's a Haslab there's a Hasbro Pulse exclusive Black Series Cantina bar where it's like by the way you have to buy two and have two Ponda Babas and two Doctor Avazans to build the full bar. Like there's so many classic great things like that. <laughs> like order two of the same thing to complete the bar. It's like um, the, the thing they're doing with Bespin, right? That terrible freeze chamber. Yeah. It looks like the inside of a lamp. Yeah, they're like literally all you old dudes who love this stuff, buy two or we're gonna stop making it. That's the attitude we're getting on a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah, we you guys are dying <laughs> off. We need you guys to start buying yeah. two and two yeah. maybe two to open, one to save, you nerds. Exactly. And then getting back to the old Republic trooper, which is like, you know, you have to think back really hard to when like the expanded universe like had a soul and there was interesting stories going on. And you had this with the the old Republic MMO, which was a pale shadow of the Knights of the Old Republic RPG, (laughs) even at the time. But it was still way better than anything we're getting now. And you have this old Republic trooper that came out back in the day on a expanded universe card and it was really limited release and it's this really sought after figure that won this fan vote and the interesting thing on this hasbro live q a that they did with the same the same one where they accidentally revealed that the rancor is the haslab project he said that they haven't decided yet whether the older public trooper is going to come out on a expanded universe card back or a star wars card back which for those of you guys not paying attention all of the expanded universe sort of hard to find a place characters have been coming out on a star wars card in the vintage collection because they just don't know what to call it anymore because they erased the expanded universe and like is it canon what what do we call it do we make a galaxy's edge card back for hondo and aka they don't know what to do anymore right so they right, like, like dr afra right like, yeah they don't really know where quite to exactly. put her yeah, they just put it on a Star Wars card back. They said they don't. We haven't figured out if we're gonna make an expanded universe card back yet, or a vintage or a Star Wars card back. That was, you know, that's that that beats the Rancor slip up as far as I'm concerned because it's like they're they 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 have this. Uh, my guess would be either it's just gonna be a Star Wars card back, or they're gonna make a new one. That's like a legends card back because they're because that would tie in with their current marketing of they're they're hustling these old 
expanded universe books as like essential legends right now. Like the original Thrawn, Thrawn trilogy is part of it where they're making these new terrible Photoshop vomit covers for like good books that came out that are way better than anything they've put out since they bought Lucasfilm and they're calling it essential legends. So like my guess would be that they're going to make a card back that references legends because that would sort of connect the connect this like like you know it put in print the idea of these two separate timelines where if they say expanded universe that's not a term they're currently using so my guess will be star wars card back for this old republic trooper or a new legends card back okay i'm real quick because i know like we're going to go on almost two hours soon it's that question of like i'm glad you i know we referenced it like a while ago now but the idea that like some of the like legends eu books are getting like re-released with like the like third time now they have new art um but the thing that i find interesting about this isn't is like your usual thing of like taking the kenobi book and slapping that little yellow banner on it with the original artwork this is new artwork and these books that they're deeming essential whatever chris says is that, is that the word they're using essential I, I, it's, it's something like it's, if it's not, like, I believe it's essential. It might not be whatever for the sake of argument. Let's just say it is. I find it interesting. Like, whereas like with all the old, like kind of like they changed the cover, like they just put that little yellow, like banner on the legends book, but just like the books are more or less the same. I find it and those books are pretty much only showed up at like your booksellers, your Barnes and Noble books, a million, so on and so forth. These like re-releases of like key books, like the Mace Windu book, the OG Thrawn trilogy, um, they're showing up at like Walmart and Target. And you know how like hard it is to get a book on a shelf at a Target and a Walmart because that's like like a tenth of an aisle. Um, and those books are on display too. Like they're they're usually part of an end cap. If if your store has that sort of thing still, and that's the thing I find interesting, which means Lucasfilm is ginning something up with these particular stories, and the fact that like on like that third Thrawn trilogy book, uh, Last Command, we see Mara Jade on the cover, leads me to believe that she's going to show up at some point. Um. Again, strong, powerful female character seems like made to order for Lucasfilm to read, like to kind of just serve her up on a silver platter for us. And then the other one I find interesting is the fact that Mace Windu is showing up again. Not showing up, but just is getting the spotlight put on him again. And think about it. Okay, yeah, I, I totally get you. Like, does did anyone read Shatterpoint? Does anyone know if Shatterpoint's actually good? Center point, it doesn't matter. The fact is that they, you know what that is? That's called a test balloon to see if there's interest. Once again, this goes back to market research. The market research says a Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson thing has potential feasibility as, a, as an upcoming project, but they're not entirely sure of it. So you know what you do? Take that book, re-release it. It's a safe way to see if it's uh, – and you, you, you put a little extra of a spotlight on it. To see if people respond to it, like this. Nothing okay, about to be. Uh, he's the big reveal now. He's going to be the big reveal. Bad batch. Oh god. There you go, Mace oh, Windu. God. You 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 oh, walked god. yourself up to it. This oh, is why god. the show has to go for two hours so god, you can get yourself darn to this it, Ross. Ross, don't give them ideas. There's only four episodes left. They can't do it now. Either Mace Windu's in <laughs> in god. it or not. God. We've, got a, we've got a new mission. We have to save someone. He survived the order. Let's see who it is. 
All right. Oh, so I yeah. looked at that picture you posted, Zach, and it, it does say the Essential Legends Collection. It does it? Okay, so Chris was right. So not the regressed universe or anything. Which oh, means that's God. something that you're gonna be cherry picking from. Yeah. It's I literally see... Thrawn trilogy and Shatterpoint, which is yeah. an odd choice. It, no, it's it, again. This is what this company Disney has been doing. Okay, do you have? I would imagine. Please raise your hand if you've ever been to Disney World before. Raise. Ditto. That's it. Okay, Mr. Yazo. No, I've never have. Have you ever been to? Have you? You know what the ride Splash Mountain is at least. Yeah, I, yeah, I from the it. classic movie, right? Um, yeah, we're the don't. Don't spoil oh. it just yet, Russ. All right. This is the thing. Song of the Sat. I, I know as of now, I think Disney's taking Splash Mountain. They're retheming it to Princess and the Frog, but that's neither here nor there. That ride was built in 89, but they based it off characters from Song of the South, but exclusively the animated parts. Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear. But what happened was even in the 80s, that was a controversial film. But good old Mike Michael Eisner... They're like, okay, he's like, we're going to do this with, like, Song of the South characters. And everyone was just, like, like kind of, like, grit their teeth. And they're like, oh, Wait, really Uncle Remus? Idea. We're bringing Uncle Remus back? No, no, Uncle Remus didn't come back. Just the animated characters. I'm sorry, Russ. I, I, sometimes you're, you're too ahead of the curve even for me. Um, so you have to get some Song of the South clips on the uh, soundboard, Russ. That's, that's oh, how that's nice to really. <laughs> Russ is like, no, thank you. Um, hey, Zippity Doo Dot is a classic, Russ. Come on. You don't recognize the song, whether you even have heard of the movie name before or not. It's too McClunky. Zippity doo does. I know all the words of that song. Um. Anyway, though. Um. Anyway, the point of this being is that, like, back in like the mid '80s, the Disney company was very nervous about basing a new theme park attraction around Song of the South. You know what they did? In like '85, '86, they re-released it in the theaters, and guess what? It made like twenty million dollars, and no controversies like arose from it. Do you know what the company did? They said, okay, we're going to go ahead with this. And fast forward 30 years later, the attraction is still there. And just after 30 years, is it finally getting a reason? And I think that's the point with these, like, legends, essential-like books, is that they're just test balloons. They're there to see if the, if the market is there for it, if the fans will react, if the normies will react. And I still think that we're going to get some form of Star Wars project Especially now, considering the universal like like acclaim Luke Skywalker at the end of the Mandalorian season two got, I could very well see them doing something like that with the OG, adapting, adapting being the key word here, the OG Thrawn trilogy and making that kind of part of the Ahsoka series. Hundred yeah. percent believe it. Um, yeah, go ahead. I think I'd see it. I think I see they could even tie it into the the sequels, and if they wanted to, they have they already have their way in with Thrawn. Um, yeah. And plus, too, never mind. Like, think about how many Thrawn books have there been now? Like, like we're up to the ninth ninth Thrawn trilogy. Book. Yeah, there's nine trilogies. Yes, just just like Star Wars, it's the ninth trilogy. <laughs> All right. Anything else about uh, Star Wars, or are we going to put this episode out of its misery? No, I think I've got, I said my piece for now. I'm excited. I, I will say I am excited to see where the Bad Batch goes. And man, if it really is Mace Windu, wow. Zach called it. No, 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 Rush, you called it. Please, the honor is all yours, sir. Much no. like how you don't, want, you don't want Song of the South on your uh, soundboard, please don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Okay. All right, Mr. Yazo, you have anything else about Star Wars? Actually, no. I'm, I think I'm good. 
All right. All right. Mr. Porteous, I know you have lots more for Star Wars, but anything that can't wait until the next episode of Knights of Vader, uh, seven well, months from now. Yeah, well, because we have no idea when that is, I'm gonna remind. I'm gonna remind everyone. You know, it's 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 nebulous. It's like we're in uh, the world between worlds here, right? So like, you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and you're listening to this. You're still here two hours in, whatever it is. You're gonna go ahead and follow the uh, KOV podcast on Instagram. Save that for re- the end, sir. Save that for the end. <laughs> well, it's gonna come twice. So there's yeah, that. Yeah. There's that, and you're gonna also remember that when when the slave one is renamed canonically in the book of Boba Fett, that's gonna be Phoenix One. You heard it here first, <laughs> and and uh, you know because he's gonna just be so overwhelmed with the emotion of surviving uh, the Sarlacc pit that it's just gonna be viewed as a spiritual rebirth for for Boba Fett. So he just won't be able to resist naming it something so cliche as that. So get ready for too. it. Well. Uh, we, the money's on the table. Like where is Phoenix One? Get into it. Get ready to for the Lego sets and all that. My and, um, my guess is Liberator One. Did I'm you did you all did you all miss the point where Boba Fett became a saint and a good character? Because it happened somewhere between the end of Return of the Jedi and the start of Mandalorian <laughs> season two. But never mind that. He's a good dude now, and we're gonna respect all of his choices as an adult person with uh, uh, executive function so <laughs> so never mind that um, so yeah I think I think I really appreciate uh, uh, getting together and talking about the bad batch and you know it's like it's like it's I it's much like I imagine like I I don't want to put on rose colored glasses and say the 2008 Clone Wars series was way better than this I feel like the bad batch is as good as I would feel about like mid series run clone wars like it's fine there's some episodes that are like why did you spend my 20 minutes this way but there's you know there's there's a few gems which for me currently is limited to the first episode but i respect the belief structure that allows other people to think there's more than just the first episode that was good so that is i've said my piece for now how about that all right so concludes this episode of knights of vader star wars podcast Check out the Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you will find us there waiting for you. At KOV Podcast on Instagram, that is Chris's baby. Please inquire with Chris for any uh, Knights of Vader Instagram nonsense. Uh, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Anne Superiority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you're interested in hearing me talk some more, come check me out on the Cinemodies podcast as the 2001 Fort Year continues. As Rob and I talk about blockbusters from 20 years ago. I kind of don't know what's coming out tomorrow off the top of my head. It might be, I don't know, Planet of the Apes? I don't know. It might be, might be Marky Mark, Planet of the Apes. Chris, you listen to Cinemodies. Has that come out yet? Marky Mark, Planet of the Apes has not come out yet. And, and, and I could not tell you how excited I am for that. Because, like, <laughs> that is... <laughs> By far and away the most underrated Planet of the Apes film by far. So like, is it? Is well, it? Well, you know what? You 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 guys might have already recorded that yet and been completely wrong about it. But like, go ahead and rewatch all of the other nine Planet of the Apes movies and tell me that one's not underrated. I'm I'm done. That's it's fine. Something. I'm, it's I'm gonna something. It's 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 under something. I just don't know if it's rated. Brought it back to Tim Burton. Yeah, there's a through through line always. 
Actually, I think the next episode is Jurassic Park 3, then Planet of the Apes. I'm so glad that you watched that with through through the lens of the fact that Alan Grant has repressed his homosexuality as well. <laughs> I'm so glad you finally watched it with that context in mind, and I can't wait to hear what you thought. Did, did, is, were you... <laughs> <laughs> oh god i hate dinosaurs oh my god i hate dinosaur movies um yeah all right uh chris porteous you already plugged your your part of the podcast anything else you'd like to plug while you're here yeah check me out at the chris porteous on instagram i finally started posting again after several months so i, I would appreciate some follows over there thanks all right russ ryan who just recorded a fun episode on the allagash abductions as part of the unbelievers podcast what are you up to Oh, yeah. Check out Unbelievers Podcast. We've got new episodes every week. This week we were talking about an alien contactee named Dorothy Azot, and she's got some remarkable footage. Uh, yeah, Unbelievers Pod on Twitter. Check us out. And Mr. Yazo, when you're not here telling us that Boba Fett is not Boba Fett, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me here. And uh, also on uh, eBay, I have my eBay store, Movies Vault 12601. Sell vintage collectibles. Yes. Joe sells. What was that? I just said followed. I like, I thought it'd be funny. You know, like I, (laughs) I buy vintage nonsense, although I'm, you know, I'll, I've not reviewed Joe's eBay site yet. So like, I want on record. I want on record that like I found a new like bo- like Batman like Batmobile from like Robert Pattinson Batman, and I found like a couple of them. So I bought one for Joe and brought it to him. He's like, yeah, I already have one. I'm like, oh. He's like, yeah, I bought five of them. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I'm you like, know something. I yeah. know. Joe 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 is kind of up there with you, Chris. Like he just understanding like, maybe less so specifically on Star Wars collectibles, but like as collectibles as a whole, he's I, he's definitely more your tier than like my tier. But yeah, that's a conversation for another day. Alrighty, folks. Good night. (laughs) Goodbye. And as always, may the force be with you. Remember all the run! Down with the Empire! (laughs) Thank you, Luke and Russ.